Hi, I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Senna from Ohio. And you're listening to Backlist and Chill, where we read books from our past, usually. It'd be weird if we could read them from the future, though I guess that would be a thing. Probably have more people listening. Podcast. And I'm right, really. What? What book is coming out in 20 years? <laughs> it's really good. Trust us. <laughs> and when it doesn't happen, it's because we just like scared off the author. <laughs> anyway, we read young adult books from back in the day. We go through an author's backlist and then we come together and we drink about it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. This episode, we're in season seven which is our Holly Black season, our first Holly Black books. And we're on to uh, episode two. We are talking about the modern fairy tales number two, Valiant. Yeah. So what are you drinking, my friend? Thank you for asking. I am drinking Nevermore. (laughs) (laughs) Tied it in. You did. That's the drug that they take in the book. I love it. Which is obviously something that we want to be replicating. So, <laughs> After all of the very good things that happen when taking Nevermore, of course we I want to read, replicate it. Right, I read Valiant and what I took from the story was, mm, take Nevermore. Sounds great. Kid, <laughs> you need something in your life that'll make you feel great. <laughs> all right, so... My rationale was, um, obviously it has to be gold, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it also has to be something that gets me fucked up. So I was like, bam, tequila. So my version of the Nevermore is basically just a gold margarita. It's got gold tequila, triple sec, lime juice, and sweet and sour. Nice, nice. Shockingly, Mm -hmm. it's pretty good because it's mostly sour. Um, and, uh, the tequila, which burns and makes me feel like I'm breathing fire. Ooh. So I feel like that's kind of a fucking success. I, I say good job there, my friend. Yeah. All right. What are you drinking? All right. So I was between three things. I had a feeling of what you were going to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had been between making a glass sword, which I decided Ooh. not to do. Okay. Or... There was a description in the book when the main character is on Nevermore mm-hmm. that just fucking slapped me in the face. And I was like, that's a beautiful name for a drink. Okay. So I'm going to describe what I what I made because it's like always Ollie is uh, drinking absinthe because that's just what mm-hmm. I do in this house. So we have absinthe. We have some Seagram's ginger ale. And then pour that over ice. And I found a little vial of edible glitter yeah so i sprinkled that into the absinthe Mm -hmm. before i poured the absinthe in then i sprinkled it into the ginger ale before i put the ginger ale in then i sprinkled it on top once i mixed them together um and then it didn't quite work but i tried to rim it with brown sugar and since that didn't work i did wink wink just a pinch of brown sugar (laughs) into it and i'm calling it a glamour riot oh that is fun yeah, when I saw that dis- that like description, I was just like, fuck, that's what I'm calling it. So even if you called it n- Nevermore, we're still drinking the same kind of deal, but this mm-hmm. is the feeling of Nevermore. Even more than initially anticipated, because mine also has a bunch of edible glitter in it. Oh, dip! Mm-hmm. <laughs> edible glitter is awesome. 
just looks pretty. I love how it just sits on the top. I love the, in your picture, the, like, pile of it at the bottom. That feels so appropriate. Yeah. That's why I took that one. <laughs> I was like, that looks like a drug got put in there. Let's do it. Right. Not to glamorize drugs, children. We would never do that. Drugs are bad. Okay, drugs are bad. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them are very bad. Some of them are just drawn that way. <laughs> ah, so, mine's tasty because it's the same thing, just with glitter. <laughs> <laughs> and brown sugar. And some brown yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah, Dark brown sugar. It's really good. And I've been drinking it for a little while, so... Yeah, and say, is the rest of the podcast just going to be us drinking our drinks? Because that's all I feel like doing right now. I understand. So tired and hot, and I'm just like, fuck, I need a break. Yeah, I was, like, finishing up the story earlier, and I was like, hmm, that was good. Now I want to go to sleep. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I did my duty. Who needs to podcast? Book done. (laughs) Right. The important thing is that I read it, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Nobody needs to hear my opinions on it. So, yeah, I guess heads up, folks. These are some good drinks. (laughs) Right? I put so much tequila in mine, and I'm like, I've been drinking it for a little while, and I don't feel anything. I I can hear it in your voice. (laughs) No, you can't. It's a lie. (laughs) Well, I am human, so, you know... (laughs) it's true you do that you can lie (laughs) shall i read us the blurb yeah sure whatever (laughs) you just you sound like you belong in this book it's great (laughs) never more man (laughs) if only oh but no i'm glad it doesn't exist because i definitely would be like i want to try it Mm-hmm. The fucking descriptions. All right, Valiant, Modern Fairy Tales number two by Holly Black. When 17-year-old Valerie runs away to New York City, she's trying to escape a life that has utterly betrayed her. Sporting a new identity, she takes up with a gang of squatters who live in the city's labyrinthine subway system. But there's something eerily beguiling about Val's new friends. And when one talks Val into tracking down the lair of a mysterious creature with whom they are all involved, Val finds herself torn between her newfound affection for an honorable monster and her fear of what her new friends are becoming. It's like 75% correct, that, that blurb. Yeah, it is accurate, but it sort of omits what ends up becoming like the driving force of the last quarter, which is the fairy entry. Yeah, there's zero mention of fairies if you didn't know <laughs> that about this. It's just like oh, an, a, a creature, or a monster. Like, all right, that could be anything. Are you a vampire? Are you a werewolf? <laughs> what, what's going on here? <laughs> it's called a modern fairy tale. So you know what? There's a strong chance. <laughs> there's a strong chance that it's fairies. But, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it, it kind of makes, like, I feel like the first paragraph about, like, running away to New York City, trying to escape a life, new identity, blah, blah, blah. Like, that makes it sound like she has more agency in the beginning than just kind of, like, being on autopilot like she is. I mean, that's a kind of agency, though, because she, she does it. She does do like, it. Nobody, nobody forces her. She's not magic or compelled into it. Premeditative. That's fair. There's not much forethought. I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll that. get into it. But there's a lot of a lot of stuff where it's just like 
intentionally making the worst decision, <laughs> which I appreciate. Sometimes literally being like, this is a bad idea and I'm going to do it. Yep. Yeah, we're, so the first paragraph is like, I'm running away, I'm making a new identity, I'm going to take up with this gang of squatters. Like, no, she just stumbles into all of it blindly, <laughs> being like, okay, we can do that. That sounds like right. a, a thing that I can do right now. If I had read this story, I would be like, this is not the girl that this first paragraph told me I was getting. And yeah, I do wish that they had, in the second half, talked about like more of the plot, but it's okay, because this blurb would have intrigued me, even if I would have been like, that character is not this way when I get there, and I do feel like on full read, the idea of this mysterious creature whom they are all involved with is incorrect, because Lolly is not. <laughs> um, sort of. She's she's never been there. She doesn't know him. She'd never met him. No, but the reason that Val gets involved is because of Lolly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what, like, it sounds to me like her new friends, and they all know this dude, creature, and it's only a couple of them. So, like, I can understand where the, the blurb writer got it, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's, like, 75% correct. You know what I've realized about blurbs, Ollie? Nobody blurbs knows. are honey badgers. They don't care. You You picked up the blurb, and you read it. And then you read the book and it wasn't exactly like the blurb. <gasps> blurb don't care. We still got your money. That's true. We don't care. I know. But I have very strong opinions about blurbs. And I wish that more of them were factual. I just wish they were all perfect. Because they can be. I think that's what, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Is There's no reason for a blurb, which is like 100 to 500 words max. There's no reason you can't get it perfect. <laughs> But what if you get it perfect and the book doesn't sound like something anybody would want to read, but then you read it and it's really good. Readers are dumb, Ollie. You have to trick them into reading these books. Well, the main problem with that is that so many blurbs don't sound good. And so therefore I don't read the book. But they don't sound good to you or they don't sound good to me. That doesn't mean there isn't somebody out there who are like, fuck yes, pirate historical novel. Mm, sounds great. <laughs> I love it. I know. I know. I'm just picky. I know. I know. This is, this is your thing. And it's fine. You're <laughs> <laughs> me real hard. You're like, Ollie, shh. I feel good for the first time in like three weeks. So oh, don't ruin this for me. I'm not ruining it for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I know. I'm just being an asshole. Anyway, what's the next part? So the next part that we do after we talk about the blurb is the cover. I don't. I don't have a different cover than last time. So what do you have? All right. So I'll tell you about the latest edition so the one that's meant to look like the folk of the air series Mm. so like hey people who have kindles you know how when you open up your kindle library you have a whole bunch of different covers but then sometimes you open up the book and the cover page on the book is a different cover from the one that shows up on your library that's the situation that i find myself in with valiant Because the one that shows up in my Kindle library is the Folk of the Air edition, 
But the one that pops up when I click on the book as like the cover of the book is the sort of grungier version of the original 2004 or whatever cover. (laughs) And honestly, Valiant has a lot of banger covers. So the Folk of the Air cover is the same sort of black gold rimmed font that the Folk of the Air series has. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly white and it's got holly black at the bottom. And then it has like one of Cliff Nielsen's stock photos of smoke (laughs) kind of coming out of the top. Like it's very much like if you look at this smoke and if you've ever looked at a stock photo of smoke, you're like, oh, I recognize you. So there's stock photo golden smoke coming out of a tipped over bottle of golden dust, Mm. which is obviously the never. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a little moth inside it and then a green thorny vine wrapping around it. And again, this is the same coloring, the same like style as the Folk of the Air series. But it's very nice. It's a very nice, pretty cover. And at the top, it says a modern fairy tale. Yeah, that's cool. I just looked it up. It's a really pretty cover. Very, very crisp and clean. Alright, so that is the one that you have. As I mentioned, my actual one is just the same that I had last time, which is similar Folk of the Air one, but I wanted to talk about the really cool original cover, which matches well with the one for Tithe, where Mm -hmm. it's that really grungy look going on, the more dark colors. All, All of the words are in white, but it's in this kind of like... What is what is that font that is like is it like chiller or something? Yeah, no, sorry, it is literally chiller font. It is. Okay. I love it so much. Okay, so it's the chiller font. <laughs> <laughs> the default fucking Windows font. <laughs> right? But it looks great here. Yep. And so the the title's all in lowercase and valiant and then underneath it a modern fairy tale and at the very bottom there's holly black all caps new york times best-selling author in a different font green but then we've got the the sword the glass sword in the the center here in shades of greens and blacks and kind of like yellows as well offset against this wall that i think is meant to be brick but it's got some fun swirls on it it just it looks like someone painted this sword as art onto like a subway tunnel and just the kind of art where you're like wow that looks so so neat like I could actually go grab it but it's just a painting so like it it's a very pretty cover and um, I'm also kind of glad I hadn't seen it because then I would be like oh there's the sword (laughs) you're like the sword is important yeah (laughs) Um, but it's cool it's got like a kind of thorn look going on to it it's not how I pictured the sword either so that's another I'm glad that I didn't see it till now yeah, and I don't think that's honestly how the sword is supposed to look. No. Like it's much more Final Fantasy in my head. So you're picturing like a Buster sword? <laughs> yes, fucking Oron with a sword like twice the size of him. <laughs> See, I was picturing like a Swarovski store or something. Okay, you okay. know, like more typically like crystal. Yeah, I do kind of picture blues instead of green. Same, but. I would like to draw your attention to the reissue of the original cover where they take all of the original like three covers and then they make them different colors Mm. and they change the font. So like it's the same picture, but if you look at the second edition, 
the sword and the font are orange now, and oh. it's no longer chiller. Yeah, it's not chiller. It's like a blockier, like, grungy font. It looks like someone splattered paint. Yeah, but otherwise it's exactly the same. And there's a similar one for Tithe and a similar one huh. for Ironside. Interesting. I don't know why they did that. Usually you can like, oh, okay, I see you just did a completely different edition. But like, they look so similar that it's like, <laughs> why? what was the point? Yeah, why did you bother? <laughs> I'm noticing there's one that came out in like 2006 reissue that was like clearly trying to get that Twilight monies where it's like a black heart in someone's oh, hand yeah. with like this red filigree around it and valiant in red. And I'm like, oh, you want to pretend that this is a fucking like gothic vampire book <laughs> it's not there's also the one that i physically own which is the one where they did like a photo shoot with models yes and i just need to talk about like how very very silly these people look <laughs> so like the one for valiant is a lady with like short red hair she looks kind of like a young uma thurman She's, yeah, like, looking at the camera, like, hmm, what am I going to do? Gonna and she's holding, it? like, a lock of her hair with some scissors. Like, mm, am I going to cut it? And then behind her, it's just, like, this stone-faced model with just these horns coming out of the back of his hair. Are like, they they're even... probably photoshopped. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't look real. <laughs> right? And he's just, like, staring this, like, middle distance to the left, like, away from the camera. And it's just so useless. His hair is just kind of like, looks like a wig. Yeah, it's so very perfectly straight. Yeah, I did not imagine Ravis like a model. Like, I didn't imagine no. him ugly when he's in his human guise, but like, this dude is way too not him. <laughs> you know who this dude reminds me of? He looks like Jaguar. <laughs> Should have had him on the cover midnight predator. Honestly, if you photoshopped the horn out, like I would believe yeah, I could it, see it. I could for see sure. It. The gal has some wide fucking shoulders though, so I absolutely believe that she plays like physical contact sports. <laughs> for sure. Alright. Now is the time to talk about the plot. You ready? Yes. I wish you the best of luck. Do your best. Alrighty, so this is the story of Valerie. About how my life got flipped <laughs> upside down. It's true. It did. Her life did get flipped turned upside down. <laughs> so take a moment. Just sit right here. And I'll tell you how became. I just went back to my mom's house in the end and everything was fine. <laughs> oh my god, right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And became the Prince Valiant here. Whatever. <laughs> so, Valerie starts out, we're at school, her friend Ruth is there. Ruth is an on-screen lesbian who, spoilers, does not die. Yep, congrats, Ruth. You made it through a book. We're very happy. I liked Ruth a lot. I liked Ruth a lot, too. She reminded me of both myself and many of my friends at varying turns. Like, I love the description where it was like, she looked like someone who was bad but wasn't and i'm like hello me <laughs> <laughs> do you think you look bad but not in in high school people definitely were afraid of me and like i mean there were good reasons to be afraid of me at times too because i was an angry like val mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like i looked worse than than i was because i was a little i was i didn't know i was a goth someone had to tell me i was a goth <laughs> but anyway I, I liked ruth she like i said she reminded me of myself she reminded me of my friends um 
I love that she survives the book and that she's like a lesbian, but like that's not anything that's in the way of anything. And the reason I'm mentioning Ruth first is because Val feels like a sidekick. She doesn't really have her own story, is the way I would put it. Mm -hmm. Even though she seems like a pretty cool kid. Like, she has a couple friends. She likes going to hockey games. She really likes the New York Rangers. She's on the lacrosse team. She's got her friend Ruth. Sounds like she's had a couple boyfriends by this point. She's, what, 17? Something like that. Like 17, 18. She's at least a junior. I mean, enough that she has her license, so... Or not right. her license, her, her permit. So yeah, she's at least 17. And she's an angry fucking girl. And I love that about her. There was a lot of, like, references to blood early on in the story mm. that I was just like, oh, this girl... So I, we had just read Tithe, and so I was expecting her to maybe also be a changeling, and I was like, holy shit, is she a fucking troll? Which made me laugh later. <laughs> <laughs> right, when you're like, mm, close, but no cigar. Right, it was just, no, 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 you're just perfect to hang out with trolls. And yeah, so she's she's a nice kid, she's got her own stuff, she's gonna go to a, a fun hockey game tonight with her boyfriend, Tom. Question. Yeah. Can I read something real Please. quick? Please. Okay, cool. Because to your to your point, I read this book and then I finished it like a couple of days ago and then mm-hmm. I started to reread, you know, just yeah, like, mm, like, let's see do. how far I can get. And I was rereading the beginning and just like, Holly Black is as discussed, so good. Mm-hmm. She's like, so good. Like, you know? so good. So there's this part at the very beginning around where we're talking about, um, so Val is in the locker room with Ruth and they're being harassed by another girl on Val's team who is giving Ruth shit for being a lesbian. And the girl is like talking to Val, like, why do you hang out with her? What's going on with you? And Val is thinking about how if life were like a video game. Oh, right. She's a video game player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which which informs like a lot of the way that she thinks about things as the book goes which on. Which I also but, like, appreciated. Specifically in this moment, she's like, you know, if life were like a video game, she would have used her power move and she would have <laughs> knocked Jen across the room with her lacrosse stick because that would be like her signature weapon if she were a fighting game character. <laughs> but like... You know, she she has that thought of, like, if, like, we're, like, a video game, I would stand up for my friend and I would violence this girl, right? <laughs> yeah. But then it goes, in real life, Val chewed on her lips and shrugged, but her hands curled into fists. She'd been in two fights already since she joined the team and she couldn't afford to be in a third one. What? You need your girlfriend to speak for you? Val punched Jen in the face. I like love that. It's I'm so restraining good. myself. I won't do this. I won't do this. Oh, you fucking pushed me. But it like it's so good because it spends like a lot of time setting this up as like a fantasy of violence, right? Mm-hmm. And then Jen crosses that line. And the violence, you know, before it was like I would kick her up in the air with my lacrosse <laughs> stick and then smack her across the locker room. And it's like very like fantasy and like yeah. elaborate, but the violence the violence that actually happens is just so succinct and to the point. Yeah. She punches her into the face. Yeah. End of paragraph. End oh, of yeah. scene. We skip forward in time. Oh, yeah. I, I reread that part because I was just like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's so 
good because like we've talked about holly black and the way that she frames stuff and like here again the fantasy violence is stylized and it's cool but the violence that actually happens is just like there's nothing in it that makes the violence itself glamorized you know what i mean it's not sexy cool it's just i fucking punch you Right. And the same happens, like, you know, as the book progresses and Val takes, like, fencing lessons and stuff. But when it comes down to the fight that saves her life, that saves the life of the people that she loves, it's dirty. It's awkward. It's, like, specifically She even comments on the other character trying to, like, look cool and be cool and perform and stuff. And she's just like, oh, no, fuck that. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and the like the line itself is like i uncoolly gracelessly yeah. like awkwardly killed this lady like stab her in the fucking knee <laughs> yeah it's just so good it's i just love that contrast like it's good job holly black you're like a good writer <laughs> did you know did you know you're like a good writer congrats yeah that was definitely some of the early stuff that made me feel like god she's such a troll like (laughs) and not in the internet way but just like Mm -hmm. oh i wish i was so cool and did this stuff and then it's like oops pushed me too far just gotta fucking take a punch now i guess Mm -hmm. just do a smack and do a small violence so she gets kicked off the lacrosse team which like doesn't really seem to affect her too much but she's supposed to go hang out with her boyfriend tonight and like ruth was like hey sure you're gonna be doing that you know it's something you want to do not he wants to do and i'm just like ruth why are you being this way but she gets home and her mom is like oh no you got into a fight here let's make you look pretty and then she's like all right well i'm gonna be fucking late so i've got my tickets and i'm just gonna go to the city her mom's like well you should wait for tom because you know he'll be here shortly and she's like no we're gonna miss our train so she goes to the train and she sees the train and it comes up and then she decides not to get on it she's like no if i go he won't know where to find me and even if i left the ticket at the booth maybe he wouldn't know how to do that so she's like circles through all of these ideas in her head about how this isn't gonna work out which i'm like all right good for you so she goes back to her house hoping maybe tom will have shown up and he did and his car is there so she goes inside but the grossest fucking scene in the entire book Her mother is, like, leaned over the couch with her shirt unbuttoned so you can see her titties. And (laughs) Tom is there, like, undoing more buttons. And he's, like, kneeling on the floor in front of her. And they're, like, smooching and, like, the lipstick is all smeared. And I'm just like, whoa, okay, we went there. Yeah, yeah, we did. I have to fucking hope that Tom is 18 because nobody mentions, like... Yeah. He's a child, so like I'm assuming he's 18 and not 17. Um, it doesn't make it any better that you're fucking sleeping with because it's been happening for a while. It turns out, mm-hmm. uh, you're sleeping with your daughter's teenage boyfriend, and we we never know how old the mom is. So like we don't know. Oh, she was 14 when she had me, so she's not really that much older. Like no, we don't know anything. This lady could be like 30 years older than him. We don't know. <laughs> And gross. This is your daughter's boyfriend. Stop it. I am like of mixed emotions on this because it definitely feels very over the top. You know, like my mom. But it happens. It's my boyfriend. Yeah. But like there's also, again, like there's so much humanity to it. Like the mom tells Val, like, don't go. Like, wait for him. 
Yeah. In a way that you realize later was like, don't give me the opportunity to do this. You right. know, like I she clearly feels like a way about if this, you but she's doing go it anyway. And leave him, he's gonna be here and then we're gonna be like having a time together without you around and then I'm gonna do things that I don't wanna do, but I wanna do. I have so many questions about what their plan is. So, like, the idea is that Val and her boyfriend Tom are going to this hockey game in New York City because they live in New Jersey and, like, they have these plans, they have these tickets, but then Tom doesn't show up at her house until after the fucking train. Right, and like you said, Val goes to the train and she's going to get on it and just meet him there, but then she decides against it and she goes back to her house where she finds her mother and Tom fucking. But like, what was their plan here? <laughs> I don't think they had one. Like, Tom had plans with Val and she would like notice And these if people he have missing. cell phones and she tried calling him. Right, what was he gonna say? Was he gonna be like, whoops, I got busy doing a thing? Right? And, like, the mom tells her before she leaves, like, oh, I have the keys to a house and I'm gonna go show it. And I was like, okay, were they gonna meet at, like, the house and fuck there while Val was watching? Like, I just don't understand what the plan was. And it, like, I I feel like this is a plot thing where, like, you are correct. There was no plan. (laughs) It was a lot of opportunity. Like, it definitely feels like that. Like, it doesn't feel super planned out. A lot of this book doesn't feel... The book has great plot, but people's individual actions don't feel super plotted out. There's only a couple of characters who are really, like, planning things and expecting things to go a certain way. Everyone else is just kind of, like, alive, living, surviving, doing whatever. And then that feeling permeates the whole fucking story. I agree, and typically I think that that is a bonus in the way that this book feels organic, but I think specifically in this instance, I feel like Val stumbling on Tom and the mom together when they had plans, and not just like, let's go get like a burger and see a movie plans, like, no, I spent a lot of money on these tickets. Yeah, she bought tickets for the train there and back, and for the the game and like he had paid her back for the ticket but like this was a big plan this was going into the city and even though long branch to new york is not like that bad of a ride it's still like you made this fucking plan to go to this game yeah it feels opportunistic to be like well like maybe from tom's perspective she won't uh miss the game because she spent a lot of money and this is the team she really likes so if i just don't show up maybe she'll go That just feels like a big risk to me because, like, obviously Val doesn't go. Like, she comes back because she, she, you know, she wants to make sure Tom goes as well. So, like, he can't be that confident that she'll just go with her. I just feel like there are a couple of places in the book where stuff you can, like, really feel the hand of the author. Yeah, that's fair. And, like, this part in particular and then a part later on is they're investigating, like, the fairy intrigue. Like, there are two places where I'm really like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever, you know. <laughs> I look forward to hearing what that one was. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, gross moment from a lot of emotional angles and a lot of, like, questionable morality. Mm-hmm. And Val's fucked up by it, like, yep. for good reason. And uh, she just... Walks right back out, <laughs> heads back to the train, gets on the next one, and goes to the city in just like days. 
she's just in a daze and then she like she does the thing that I know I always do whenever I'm having like way too much fucking problems she just cuts off all her hair oh that is so interesting and I wondered like because there's a line in there where like she does it on the subway train like yeah. after the game I think she goes or no she does it on the way to the game she does it on the um it's not the northeast corridor but whatever the one that runs from Long Branch up to the city is okay I've been in these these bathrooms. They're pretty big. She like goes to the bathroom and she cuts off all of her hair. Like, and she has like a like a travel like hygiene kit. So she has like a razor and stuff. So like it's down to the skin. Like she's yeah, it's she's like stubble. fuzzy. She describes it. I imagine that she probably like trimmed as much as she could and then like used the razor and then it's just like right. this little fuzzy. And she's got like the only way I could describe it in my head is hair the color of strained peaches. <laughs> what made you come up with that comparison? <laughs> Well, she has, like, she describes that she dyed her hair once auburn, and it was, like, brighter than her own hair. And so, like, just this idea of, like, she's a she's a redhead, but that kind of faded red, that kind of strawberry blonde, but without, like, I don't know, just the way she always describes herself on things, it's like that she doesn't think it's a pretty color. Oh, my God. And can we... Again, just talk about, like, how much Holly Black puts into her fucking... Just the offhandedness with which she says stuff like that. Because that particular line where she's talking about, like, the color of her hair. Yeah. She's talking about it in comparison to Ruth, who, yeah. like, dyes her dyes hair, hair these, the like, these bright, vibrant colors, like, pink yeah. and blue. And this was back in, like, the early aughts when that, those kinds of colors were harder to find. They like, fucking were, which means Ruth has fucking money. Like, right. half the outfits were described for Ruth. I'm like, yeah, you went into the city and went to the consignment shops, but even the consignment shops are probably, like, really expensive to get that stuff. Later on, she has, like, a, a spiky, plasticky backpack. And I'm like, I know those things. Those are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> And it just feeds in more to that idea of Val being a sidekick, right? Because mm-hmm. here Ruth is with her, like, main character hair, right? And <laughs> Val describes the only time that she's dyed her hair, which is just a shade that she describes as being, like, richer and more vibrant, but essentially the same color oh as her normal yeah. hair. It's like, what if my hair looked brighter, too? Right? But it's the same, like, you know, she's not dyeing her hair pink or purple because she doesn't want to, like, compete with Ruth for, like, main characters. She's just like, what if me, but slightly enhanced? It's just so interesting. Well, and then the fact that she still got in trouble for it anyway. Right, right. And then she goes on that thing about, like, how her mom never oh there's so much interesting stuff here like her mom never wanted her to like grow up too fast so she wasn't allowed to have bras or go on dates until she got into high school and then her mom was like now we can talk and she's like why aren't you going on dates and wearing makeup and by that time (laughs) ruth was like I was, or not Ruth, um, Val was like, I was used to wearing, like, normal clothes and not really dressing up and not giving a shit. She had become a bit of a tomboy in that regard. You know, and here she's doing, like, sports and she's not caring about makeup, but still manages to have a bunch of boyfriends. Like, she mentions, you know, several exes that existed. It's, it's, It's wild. Right. And then, like, there's just, like, this dissonance between, like, who her mom thinks that she should be, even though her mm-hmm. mom never really gave her the framework to become that person. Oh, yeah. No, again, so much with Holly Black. I'm like, fuck, I could write this, but I could never have written this. 
Right? It's like that thing where, like, you come up with, like, this very deep, rich, like, character and backstory, and then it comes time for you to, like, express this subtly and elegantly, and then you just, like, blurt out, oh, this person is a tomboy and they have issues with their mom. And then in the meantime, like, Holly Black is going on (laughs) about, like, makeup and... Saying, I dyed my hair auburn, and it was a richer color of my own. Right? But I still got in trouble. And, like, the depth and the layers that I'm learning about both you and your mother. It's so elegant. Okay, but, like, my mom did that shit to me. Mm -hmm. Of the, like, I always compare my mother to, like, the evil queen in Snow White. (laughs) (laughs) Where, like, anytime I did anything that, like, might be kind of like feminine and pretty she like slapped it down that's like okay but i always felt like years later i'm like oh shit she was because she was a teenager when she had me like she wasn't ready to like have her kid be that way but then when i got older it was you should feel these things you should look at boys blah 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 which i was like i don't really want to thank you um (laughs) and for the prom was the first time I dyed my hair and like I had kind of reddish hair, red brown hair, and I added red highlights to it and I still got in trouble. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, Holly Black, I hate that you just live in my brain. <laughs> like you know me. You do. We could be friends. It's a very relatable thing. It so is. And like Okay, since we're on the relatable thing, there was a, a part that I highlighted. It's like the one thing I highlighted on my first time through. There's a a sequence, and it literally doesn't matter where it is. What matters is the sentiment. It says, um, She felt dried up and cracked and fragile as one of the few leaves that blew out from the park. It seemed that if you stripped away all the sports and the school and the normal life, what was within her wasn't much at all. Her body felt bruised, as though something else had been riding around in her skin the night before. Something so awful and vast that it had charred her insides. There was a feeling of satisfaction, though, in spite of the fear. I did this, she thought. I did this to myself. And, like, again, so specific that, like, Mm. I just feel like either Holly Black is, A, like, a really good writer, which I'm not going to discount, but, like, (laughs) this feels like something you can't communicate unless this is a way that you felt yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, I don't know, maybe she has. I know that uh, for a lot of writers, the idea of is all your stuff autobiographical can be really creepy and weird to them to be like, no, not everything I write is me. I am not this character, et cetera, et cetera. But being a writer, <laughs> I know that the stuff that people comment for me about, wow, you really nailed this feeling. I felt that feeling before. It's like, there's a fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I've also had that feeling. Right? It's like, I put what I know in here. The stuff that feels the most true is probably true. Like, yeah, I'm not, you know, these fantastical creatures. But the emotions, yeah, they probably, for writers, come out of knowing it, feeling it, or knowing someone who has felt it. But, like, I don't know, Holly Black is just so specific on it. How, if you haven't felt this way, how? I know. I We came across this before in uh, Annette Curtis Klaus when she was describing the way that Zoe and her mother had their relationship while Zoe's mother had cancer. (laughs) Um, And then we found out that like she, you know, her mother had never had cancer. Like this was based on things that readers had told her. And we were like, 
holy shit, like, we, we read that scene and it was so specific and it felt so real and it was based on, like, something Second somebody hand. else had told her. So, like, yeah. maybe Holly Black is that bitch, too, you know, like... <laughs> Where you're just like, somehow you're so empathetic that you pick up on it and can just be like, yes, I can translate that into what other people can read. And then they go, oh, you get me. I know. Just that sentiment felt so real when I read it. Just the mm-hmm. idea that, like, I have had the roughest night. I think that's the first time that she does never is yeah. when she has that. But it's like, yeah. I've had the roughest night that I've ever had in my life. I'm making disastrous, cataclysmic choices. But, but I... you know what? did this i chose it i did this to myself i chose it no one else chose for me yeah that is like the beginning of her making choices and i'm just like oh this is gonna be hard (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's just so good like however else we may end up like feeling about this book the way that holly black conveys the way that val feels and the choices that she makes are just like so resonant that like i never doubted what val was doing even if like me personally i was like you know some things about this i don't like like it still felt real and true yeah, where you're like what are you doing i wouldn't make that choice personally <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole point of the book is, is val making like canonically acknowledged to herself bad choices <laughs> yeah All right, so she makes it up to New York, shaved head and all, and she goes to the game in a daze, and then I think she just kind of wanders around for most of the night. She misses the last train out to New Jersey, and that is that is the turning point. Like once she misses her train, like she realizes it's too late. And man, I gotta tell you, when you miss the last fucking train out of the city, Mm -hmm. oh. That's a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done that. I've missed the last train out of the city. Two cities. And you either spend the night like she did, sitting in the fucking subway station, waiting for the, the first train out, or maybe you have a friend who will let you crash at their place, which is, which is what I ended up doing. Being like, mm-hmm. hello, I will figure out a way to get to you. But like the fear that, that no one's gonna be able to do anything and you're gonna have to sit in the fucking subway (laughs) sucks that seems scary yeah so she she's there but because because she has recently had a fight recently shaved her head in a moment of like emotional panic let's call it the cops approach her in the morning and are like hey kiddo what are you doing here doesn't seem like a great place to sleep how old are you she lies and says she's 19 oh right so she's definitely 17 and they're like okay where are you going and she's like i'm going home and then she's like gets up and leaves (laughs) and this is another moment like she could have said i missed the last train out last night so i was waiting here because i don't have any friends in the city and i live in new jersey and i'm going home i'm just waiting for the fucking commuter rail please Mm -hmm. i'm just waiting here's my ticket please don't think that i'm a a street kid who has nowhere to go Guess I'll go be a street kid who has nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So she's had a terrible night and she goes to this little cafe and it's early and, you know, she sits down, it's warm and blah, blah, blah. But then there's these two kids in a corner who I was like, are these fairies? <laughs> and one character is this scrawny white girl with electric blue hair. And again, like you commented with Ruth's hair, that shit's expensive. So 
at first I wasn't sure what to make of them by the description, but then there's there's a young black man with her, and they've got a little little orange kitten, and they're like feeding the kitten. So Val chats with them a little bit. So the girl's name is Lolly, and the boy's name is Dave. And there was a cute little moment about like what's Val short for? It's just like it's just Val. And like later the idea of like oh haha valiant. But anyway, some stuff happens and they chat and she gets a little freaked out and she goes into the bathroom to kind of clean up and she realizes she looks like a fucking mess. When she comes back out, they're gone. But they're just outside selling stuff because they're street kids. Is it this is it this point that she just kind of like stays with them for a while? There's no further in between, right? Like it's just she hooks in with them for a while, right? Yeah, she stays with them and she just... she. So the whole thing is that she has the return ticket in her bag. She can leave at any time. Like, she could, and I think that's a strength of this book that it acknowledges this, is that she could go home anytime she wants. Yeah. Like. She has her phone. She has her bag. She has her return ticket. She has a home waiting for her. You can leave this terrible, terrible world. Right. Things that these other kids don't have. Like, the book, at the very least, I have issues with the way that it resolves, and we'll get there. But, like, at the very least... This book acknowledges that Val is essentially kind of a poverty tourist in this situation, <laughs> She's super right? privileged in that she could just make a phone call. She could just get back on the fucking train and go. She's got two return tickets. She has a literal ticket out of this. She yeah. has a ticket home. These kids don't have a home, don't have a ticket. They got nothing. And she, admittedly, she fucking hooks in with them and is in it. She's not like, well, I've got money and I'll go, you know, get a little motel room for the night. No, she fucking hunkers down with them. They take her to their squat, which is a closed subway station on a still active train line. Oh, just briefly. Yeah. They, I do like the way that Holly Black foreshadows this a little bit, like Val's willingness to get grungy. Mm-hmm. Like in the very beginning, as she is preparing herself, like she comes home from lacrosse practice and she goes into her room and she, like, she's getting ready for a date with her boyfriend to go to a hockey game that she spent a lot of money for. Like something that you would theoretically get, like, kind of presentable for, right? <laughs> like, but Val gives herself like a sponge bath like she she cleans her pits in the the bathroom and then she puts on like admittedly she didn't end up getting to go to lacrosse practice but still like she gets a like a sweatshirt off the floor and like pants that she hopes are still i love that she's like half stepping on her video games jewel cases right like they've established or holly black establishes val very clearly in the beginning as somebody for whom hygiene and presentation are not important like you know so her willingness to sleep in like piss smelling mattresses and these terrible blankets makes me be like oh god why but it's true yeah the fact that val like falls in like this and doesn't care as much as i feel like ruth does later when we see ruth yeah right ruth is horrified and that takes Oh, and Val goes, uh, I guess it does look pretty bad. Right? Like, this is established. <laughs> Val does not care. Yeah, she's like, whatever. It's somewhere soft and the cops aren't bothering her this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just falls in with them. They meet, uh, she meets, do you call him Luis? Luis. They meet Luis. That's Dave's uh, older brother. He has a 
fuck ton of piercings. Mm-hmm. Which is so interesting. Again, the fucking modernness of this series. Yes. So he's got a fuck ton of piercings and one blind eye. And he has the sight. He can see fairies. So this has already been talked about with Lolly and things like that a little bit. Like, it's been hinted at. I just want to pause here to say I don't like Lolly. That's fair. She is her own kind of selfish, self-centered monster. I don't know her history. I don't want to know her history. You She's do know an- her history. They go into detail. Oh, you're she right. We do. Home. But I end up forgetting that. It was just like, yeah, she had like a boyfriend and she got hooked on drugs. She was so young, though. She was a she was like essentially 14. like she was 13. Like Oof, she was like a 20 year old, a child predator. Like she was yeah. essentially molested. But the unfortunate part for me is I look at that kid and go, you're unsafe. You make everybody around you in danger. I don't have to hang out with you. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. You do not have to hang out with Lolly, luckily. Yeah. Like, if I met someone like Lolly, and I've met people like Lolly, like, oh god, the fucking description of her, I was like, did Holly Black know this person that I do? Like, <laughs> 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 is that how much this is? Because, like, down to the fucking blue hair. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, like, blue hair isn't that uncommon these days, but it was back then. But, like, just fuck. I don't I don't care about your tragic backstory, Lolly, because <laughs> you are making everybody worse. Okay, listen, I'm gonna stand up for Lolly here because like obviously she's a mess. Like everybody in this book is a mess. Yeah, everybody's a mess. I will say Lolly gets the shit end of the stick a lot in this book. There's stuff later on where it's like, yeah, no, she doesn't deserve that. Yeah, and and like the her backstory of essentially like running away with the twenty year old when she was thirteen, like you know she becomes like addicted to drugs because her boyfriend is addicted to her fucking abductor is addicted mm-hmm. to drugs, and like then she just ends up on the streets and he dumps her and like she's like I can never go home. Lolly is a trash fire person who does bad things but like you are able to like sympathize with her and like see her as a human being in a way that in other places like she wouldn't get that empathy right like i see her as a human being but like the first thing i learned about her is that she stole a kitten when she lives on the street and i'm like you're a bad person (laughs) i mean that's true but also like I mean, that's her, right? Like, she yeah. she's addicted to never... She goes on these rampages with the other two kids when they're on Never, where they just do stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. She doesn't care. I'm like, I knew people like her, and I, I currently know kids like her, where they're just dangerous. They need adults. I'm not the adult that could be there for them. <laughs> uh, but there's nothing that I can do. <laughs> And I, I look at Lolly, and I knew she was bad news. That's fair. I just, I feel like it's worth mentioning in terms of, like, Holly Black as an author, that, like, even though Lolly does a lot of things and, like, is kind of a, a bad influence, there's never a point. <laughs> <Kind of? laughs> well, I, that's what I'm saying, though. There's never a point in this book where the narrative points to Lolly and says, like, this is all her fault. Like, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. No. Val makes her choices. Val makes her choices. Dave makes his choice. God, Luis makes, makes his, his choice. Like, this is not Lolly's fault. 
And I appreciate the book for not painting her as like the bad guy, even while it paints her as like a flawed person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's dangerous. If you know anybody like Lolly and you're like still trying to help that person, (laughs) just know that they're a black hole of emotions and what they need is detox. She needs to detox. She needs therapy. She needs a lot more help than any one person can give. Right. And Lolly deserves help, but it's obviously not help that Dave or Val can give her. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But uh, yeah. So from like from page one with Lolly, I was like, you're not you're not going to work out that great. <laughs> you're like, this is bad, Val. Val, stop, please, Val. Right. I know she seems nice and fun, but she's like a manic pixie drug girl. <laughs> and you got to be real careful because she stole a kitten and she can't take care of herself. How is she going to take care of another living being? Oh, my God. <laughs> the answer is she doesn't. Yeah, we'll get to that. And and Dave just seemed weird too, but I'm like, you know, whatever. They're both street kids and they're doing what they have to to survive. So like, Lolly was just the one that seemed worse for me because like, it was really clear that her desires got in the way of everything else. Like everything revolved around her wants. And because Dave wanted her, her wants were like extra important. Right, because she has enablers. Yep, yep. So anyway, they go down to the squat. She like passes out for 14 hours because she's had a really rough time and she slept on the fucking like tile in the commuter rail. And I think when she wakes up, Lolly decides to do some never. She doesn't know what it is. She's, it's not described, but she's lighting up a little sugar spoon and then Val sees things get weird and Dave is like, come on, let's, let's go dumpster diving. And I was like, hell yeah, because uh, it's getting creepy down here. <laughs> so we get a little bit of a hint of that. Um, there's also kind of some hints early on that Val may have a little bit of the sight, or that maybe sometimes people's glamours like slip. I would lean closer towards that. I don't think Val has the sight so much as like shit just overflows. Yeah, so I, I couldn't tell. It wasn't very clear. But anyway, they go dumpster diving and they look for stuff, and then Dave gets a job that he has to go make a delivery. Val comes with him because it's not like he can just leave her somewhere. And they go to the house of a fey woman and Val is like, what the shit? She wasn't supposed to be close enough to see this, but she saw it. Lady has like green and brown tendrils of hair and hoof feet. And the woman's like, who's this? And she's like, I'm new. Dave is showing me around. So they go inside and, and then we see this lady's house. And her, her name is Mabry. And uh, remember that name? She'll come back later. <laughs> and yet, so Dave is pissed that she did this. And she's like, what the fuck? Oh my God, fairies are real. And he's like, okay, great. Now you want to fucking believe? And she, I think she was like ready to leave at that point. But she talks to Lolly. and. Shit, I don't remember what happens at that point. Is this when they then go meet Ravis? Or does she fall asleep again? There's a lot of sleeping in this book. There's there's a lot of sleeping. There's a lot of I, I think only like a month passes though. It's just like Yeah, it, it is a couple of weeks. Like I will give that book this. Yeah. So I appreciate when it's like time has passed. There's a weird sense of time in this book where it's like, has it been years? Has it been days? Has it been weeks or months? It's so good there's a a part in the book after val has sort of accepted the cycle of like never sword lessons never sword lessons where the yeah 
wake up, dumpster dive, do whatever we want. Yeah, time passes. It just, like, passes in, like, a beautiful montage, and it's just so good, because, like you said, you don't know how long Val's life goes on like this, and ultimately we find out that it was only, like, a month or so, but still. Right, which is still a long fucking time to be homeless in New York City. (laughs) Right, but still, it's just, like, it's a wonderful, like, way to convey the way that I'm sure Val experiences their life is just like a series of incidences, you know? (laughs) Yeah, where it's like, this is your life on this drug. This is your life in not quite fairy, but touched by fairy. Mm -hmm. And it does a good job of being dreamlike, even when she's awake. Right, and, like, that's the entire point, right? Because, like, Mm -hmm. part of her life passes in, like, this drugged-up haze, and then there's, like, the parts in between that drugged-up haze where she is learning how to use her sword, and, like you said, that very dreamlike... Right. Oh, shit, no, I think what happens is they try the never? She does at some point, like, it is a, a turning point for her where she chooses to try the never instead of going home. Yeah, I feel like it's this moment. I can't remember if this is the moment where they meet Ravis or not, but I'm going to go with let's... Is it when she makes her call her mom? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it must be this moment. And she's like, you knew I couldn't do it. And then she tells her a little story. Yeah, because she's not ready to go home yet. It's only been a couple, it's only been like a couple days. Right, because it's like a recurring thing with Val where like, as we said before, she has this ticket home. She can go home whenever she wants, but she can't make herself do it. And I, Lolly had a comment about it's a long way to go just to come all the way back. Right. And and just this idea that, like, whatever, you know, Val's experience has just changed the way that she views her home, herself. Yeah. She's obviously in a moment of, like, personal crisis and she doesn't know <laughs> how to handle that or, you know, home, going back home. It's not familiar to her. It's not something she's emotionally ready to handle yet. What she is emotionally yeah. ready to handle, though, is drugs. <laughs> This is drugs. Yep. Yeah, she, she, I think it's this point, she turns on her phone and she's got a bunch of messages and a bunch of from Ruth. And there's like one from a cop being like, you're not in trouble. Just call us. There's like one from her mom. It's just like sad. And she eventually just like stops. She's like, okay, I'm just gonna turn it off because I do not want to hear more of these messages. And yeah, and so I think that's the point where she does the drug. And the never was so interesting. Like, I understand she gets fucking addicted to this because you literally become magical mm-hmm. it's not just you think you're magical you think the world is this way no you just say hey we need money and they give you money oh wait is it this moment it doesn't matter the point is that it, it doesn't gets matter to this point. it might be after i think they might meet ravis and then because i remember lolly does it when she like twists her finger so it doesn't get hurt Either way, they get on drugs, they also meet Ravis, he ensorcels her to, like, she comes back to protect Lolly, because he's got Lolly, and Lolly's trying to steal shit, and she says, no, take me, and I'm just Mm -hmm. like, oh, Val, you value your life so not at all. Ollie, can we Mm -hmm. briefly touch on how this is such an interesting and modern update of Beauty and the Beast, which is clearly, like, the template that it's using for this, right? Yes. Because, like, Lolly and Val sort of dare each other to go explore the (laughs) troll tunnel. 
the troll tunnel. Yeah, and, and Lolly steals something, just like Beauty's dad did. Yeah. She, she's trying to take like a bunch of shit from Ravis's home in the Manhattan Bridge. Again, so interesting. She's literally like surrounded by iron. I know. It's so good. What a choice. What a character choice. And also like the thing that they discuss later about how like they've all been exiled to live in the city specifically because it has iron and it's difficult Mm. for them to survive. So good. Yeah. I love the Corley intrigue. But like, yeah, Lolly tries to steal this stuff and they get caught by the beast and <laughs> he's hurting Lolly like he breaks her finger. On purpose. Right, because she stole his shit. Yeah, I love the comment where he's just like, you know, this is so that every time you, you go to try to take something that's not yours, it hurts you. Yep. And then Val is like, whatever you're about to do to her, stop. Like, take me instead. Yeah, that's like her first thing. She's just like, me, take me. I will do it. It's been so well established because, like, Ruth comments about, like, her chivalrous impulses. Like, (laughs) this has been established about Val is that she will go to bat and, like, does not think of herself. Yeah. She's careless with her safety in her life, right? Because she thinks she's just a sidekick. She thinks she's not the person who's the interesting person in her life. Right? And it's so good because, again, it speaks to her characterization as somebody who does not value herself. There's a comment later where Ravis is, like, she overhears Ravis uh, talking to someone else while she's, like, kind of asleep in his place. And where he's like, I think she might be trying to die. Right, yeah. Like, it's just, like, this is clearly something that Val needs to deal with in therapy. But, like... (laughs) but her impulse is to throw herself in the fray to protect other people like she doesn't Mm -hmm. know about fairy she doesn't even know lolly that well but she is willing to that was maybe so like what the fuck she's like i'll do this thing and he's like i'll show you what friendship means you know you'll you'll serve me for you know a month one for each item that she's she tried to steal from me Mm -hmm. and it's just like she's not even your friend and now you're fucking stuck working for this dude for a month you've only been here for a couple of days what if you wanted to go home in a couple of days later no you're fucked but that's val it's so good because val is prince valiant she is here Mm -hmm. to protect damsels in distress it's great i love it yeah oh that was something that reading it val comes across as a very not quite trans character but maybe non-binary i wanted to ask you about that yes yeah, she comes across really fucking non-binary, like, or at least that gender doesn't affect her a whole lot. So I feel like if this character was written today, that she might ever have some opinions on not having an opinion mm-hmm. on her gender. That it wasn't just the sports. Mm-hmm. She's described as being very flat. She's regularly mistaken for a boy in this book she's you know nicknamed prince valiant there's a lot of gender fuckery Mm -hmm. going on with Mm -hmm. val that i super appreciate and it just she really comes across as a character that is not cis well there's specifically some stuff after she cuts all of her hair off and then shaves her head she like goes back to her seat in the subway car and then like looks in the mirror and she says like a young man looks back at her or something yeah at first i was like what is she seeing some dude in the mirror and i was like oh it's because she's kind of butch right there's like you said a lot of gender fuckery going on in this book even if it isn't like specific and doesn't have like the words for like being non-binary and stuff like yeah 
yeah, she doesn't come across as someone who's thought, boy, I often feel like a boy, <laughs> but she doesn't often feel like a girl. And like, maybe it's part nature, maybe it's part nurture, but like, even from the beginning with the, you know, the comment mentioned about the mom being like, why aren't you doing these feminine things? And she's mm-hmm. like, but I got comfortable with this. It's like, would you have still gone that way? Maybe, maybe you would have still been like, I like wearing, you know, overalls <laughs> and, and, you know, hoodies and whatever. And of course, you know, someone could still be cis and do all of these things Mm -hmm. and have no opinion. But I definitely headcanon that if Val, like, today knew people, she might be like, oh, I might be non-binary. I might be agender. It speaks so well to Holly Black's ability to create a character who feels real that conceivably right 20 years later right read that way. Just, you know, it's like, oh, hello, Holly Black again. You're a good writer who creates characters who feel real. Wow. <laughs> but I feel like I could analyze. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And like I kept wondering early on if we were going to see Val decide to spend her time as a boy. Like that that wouldn't have felt out of place mm-hmm. if she was like, I'm Val, you know, and they jokingly call me Prince Valiant. But, like, nobody ever brings up my gender, and so if people, like, want to see me as a boy, then that's fine. Blah, blah, blah. But, like, it never came up. There wasn't really a place for it in the narrative. But, like, I do feel like whatever her her relationship with Ravis was, he wasn't caring about her gender. No. (laughs) I've definitely read Ravis is also not straight. But, like, just the idea that, like, obviously, you know, fantasy has a lot of, like, girls dressing up as boys so that they can become Mm -hmm. knights kind of thing like that's a well-worn fantasy trope i like the ones where they dress up to be boys and then they're like oh this fits me better (laughs) but just like (laughs) the idea that like again with the modern part of the modern fairy tale that like val is painted as a knight as a prince as a valiant (laughs) but also with like her gender is so ambiguous yeah. That it's never like as clean a situation of like your lady knight Alana or whatever. It's just like Right, right, right. You're not like tough for a girl. You're just tough. Yeah. There's so much good like character work here. There's so much to talk about with these characters. Ha <laughs> <sighs> Alright, I think I'm done talking about it if you want to move on to the next parts. Alright, so long story short, too late. She becomes indebted to Ravis. She has to serve him for a month on behalf of Lolly. And there's a great, like, little reaction from Lolly who, like, it says a lot to her character that she gets mad at Val for, like, trying to protect her and and save her. She's like, I didn't ask you to, like, sacrifice yourself for me. And Val's like, I know. And it's just, like, these two characters realizing, like, their own psychological issues. (laughs) Like, saving people who don't ask for it and being saved. Being saved when I didn't ask for it. (laughs) It's, It's a great moment. But yeah, Val has to serve Ravis and she does this by like running errands for him. But she also starts spending time with him and realizes like he's not that bad of a guy. He's actually pretty nice and pretty gentle. And what he's doing is just trying to help the other fairies, the other folk in the city. 
Right, because as we have previously discussed, they are all essentially exiles from various courts. They've been exiled to live in the city where it's difficult to live because of all of the iron. So Ravis is an alchemist who gives fairies potions so that they can kind of make it through their day a little easier. And that's the never. Which is just kind of like good and it's like taking a fucking aspirin for for a I think it's specifically mentioned as, like, a little bit of fairy, like, a little bit of magic. Yeah, but for humans. Right, and what Ravis doesn't realize is that humans can use it to get high, like, that would never even occur to him. Yeah, I like, later when he learns about it, he's just like, blah. <laughs> right? He's like, you're doing what with my potions? Why would you do that? <laughs> right. So Val sort of commits. She has her first experience with with the Nevermore. And again, like, this is great parallels to some of the stuff we saw in Tithe, right? Where, like, Kay kind of embraced her, like, dark side, her fairy side, and, like, reveled in her you power. Do for me? Yes, her power over humans. And it's like, when these humans shoot up this essence of fairy, they also have this impulse to, like, not hurt cool. people, but to be cruel. Yeah. Where they're like, give me your shit, eat this weird sandwich, kiss this stranger. Yeah, just let me into your house. (laughs) Capricious fairy nonsense. Capricious. A great word for that. And it's just like a great, like, consistency of this is fairy, you know? Mm -hmm. It does not give a fuck about you. They do not. So there's like an intercut experiences of val being on nevermore and like taking money from people and like just getting shit for free because she's literally magic and then the days that she spends with ravis and she eventually convinces him to teach her how to use a sword because um groban uh accuses him of being the poisoner because yes. the Fae who died all had previously received a delivery from him. And so they're like, yeah, we're pretty fucking sure it's you. And he's like, I'm at this dead mermaid's side trying to figure out who the murderer is. That's like, right. Because on her first delivery, she finds a dead mermaid and she tells Ravis. Um, yeah, she tells Ravis and they go back. And then they're like, uh, we think it's you. And she, she stands up against this dude and his two fucking sides. Oh, it's so good. Again. Prince Valiant. She comes to this mm. troll's events. I think that was when I texted you and I was like, I fucking love these stories about these like essentially human girls who have to come to the aid of these powerful fairy men, you know? <laughs> these boys. <laughs> these yep. boys. Um, but I do I do love that dynamic so much of like Val being like this human girl who is who should kind of resent Ravis at the very least, right? Because he's he's made her his servant, you know? But she doesn't because she's like, I made this choice. I chose this. Right? And then when it comes time when he's physically threatened and Ravis mentions, like, he's vowed to never take up the blade again because of his tragic yep. backstory. Oh, his tragic backstory. And Val is like, okay, well, somebody <laughs> is... In peril, I shall defend I them. Grab this lead pipe. And she does. She defends Ravis Smacks against the this dwarf. Yeah. Yep. And it's very good. I love that he's like, I'm a troll, we heal fast. <laughs> so he was like, It takes a lot to kill me, okay? <laughs> I know. He's like, What are you doing? 
<laughs> He's like, look at this little chihuahua decided to defend me <laughs> against like a mosquito. You're funny. But again, like with Robin and like his experience of Kay helping him and expecting nothing in return, like yeah. Ravis sees Val helping him just like out of instinct, essentially, and is like, mm. you're all right. It's like, well, you did help me, so I shouldn't, like, force you to keep doing this. Right. She's like, no, it's cool, I want to help, but you could teach me how to wield a sword. And he's like, okay. I love his line about, I'll make you as terrible as you want. Oh, it's so good. She's like, I don't want to be terrible. And he's like, mmm, what you kind of do? Right? Like, <laughs> once you become terrible, like, you, you can't go back. And it's all built in there from, like, the first fucking chapters. No, you are so meant to be trained by this troll in being a human version of a troll. Like, you're really good at this. Right? Like, it's explicitly Val choosing her own ruin. Like, she's choosing to become this violent weapon. She could have just know? gone home or, not, or nothing. Like, obviously... She's like um, corny, being like, "No, I've touched fairy, and now I need to. I, I can't unsee this. This is amazing." You know, f- so she doesn't want to leave this. She wants to help him and things like that. It's funny. She kind of white knights. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She is a she is a knight. Absolutely, absolutely. Where she's just like, "Yep, no, you were in danger and in peril, and great, right." I love how instinctual it is for her, but, like, obviously you can have a character who's, like, first instinct is to defend people, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously that is their good point, like, defending the weak, the, the helpless, right? But Val also has so many flaws to counterbalance yeah. that, that it never feels false. She's never, like, a paladin. <laughs> Right, like, she never feels like this altruistic person who's the defender of the helpless. Like, she's got her own shit going on. Well, like I said, you know, he's just like, I think she's trying to die. (laughs) Yeah, right. But, like, on the way, she's gonna help people, you know. She's She's very self-destructive. Yes, yes, self-destructive in her selflessness. How kind. Mm -hmm. So there's just drugs and sword fighting and hanging out and her slowly absolutely falling in love with a beast who no longer traps her yeah no and it's so great because it's like he briefly has that power over her of you have to work for me for a month but then and like that immediately dissolves i love that too that he's just like nope one week for each of the things she stole i'm like this is a very reasonable thing dealing with here (laughs) exactly and i think that's very important too is that ravis he's introduced as like this troll you know you're in my bridge like breaking lolly's finger like he's not to be fucked with but he's also he doesn't want louise to be hurt like he cares about the humans in his employee he cares about louise which is amazing Mm -hmm. like he's like a genuinely good dude for a fae for For a fae you're a good dude it's super interesting to meet these characters that aren't out to fuck with you Mm -hmm. that like if you fuck with them they will hold you accountable, but they're not trying to get more than they were hurt. And like that is part of what I really like in fairy stories is the the balance. Like I always thought the story of Beauty and the Beast was a little unbalanced, a lot unbalanced, because <laughs> like the dad stole a rose, so you need to send your daughter to live with me forever. Right, yeah. I'm like, that is extremely unbalanced. <laughs> but Ravis being like, your friend stole four things from me. I think 
alright, just work for me for one week each of the things that she was gonna steal. Like, maybe you could look at it and be like, that can be a little unbalanced, what if it was, like, one day? But it's still, it's only a week each. Mm-hmm. This is extremely reasonable. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Right, like, they broke into his home <laughs> and took his shit. Could have like, just fucking murdered you, because he's a troll. Fair is fair. Yeah. 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 And, like, Ravis himself is a really interesting character, right? Like, everybody in this book has a lot of shit going on. Also needs therapy. Oh, he does. Like, (laughs) Ravis has this backstory of, like, he's half-human. Except that Babe breeds true, which I thought was a very nice touch that it's not just, no, I'm half-human. No, but it's just, like, I'm, my mother was Faye, and so I am Faye. And, like, there's this whole wonderful mini fairy tale of this woman who fell in love with this woodsman and they lived in their cottage and he came to see them but before he came to see them he rang the bell so that they would know to put on their glamour so that they looked human and then one day he forgot and he saw them as they were and he never came back again and i love too the idea of like he had a family in the city but him and ravis's mom knew and pretended otherwise and didn't talk about it because it didn't matter Yeah, and Ravis, you know, talked about his mom. Like, she was beautiful, and she, you know... Icicles in her hair. Yeah, she was like a frost fairy. Yeah. Imagine her, since he's a troll, I imagine she's like a frost giant. Mm Mm-hmm. And just, like, this idea that she didn't care that this person had another family because she was in love with him, and he didn't care because he was in love with her. They had many, many children. And then, you know, because he saw them as they were, and, like, Ravis... I do love that, like, Ravis is the love interest for this book, mm-hmm. but he's also, like, his trollness is not downplayed, right? No. Like, he still looks like an orc, essentially. <laughs> right, he's this tall, skinny, kind of gray-green skin. He's got fangs sticking out the bottom. Tusks, yeah. Tusks, yeah, like, sticking out the bottom jaw. He's got long, limp black hair but it's not described as like greasy or oily it's just limp mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like he doesn't do a whole lot with his hair <laughs> and he has gold eyes that i imagine are kind of like crow's eyes oh it's i think it specifically mentions at some point that they're like goat or frog eyes like oh interesting they're weird yeah you know he's got weird eyes and even when he's a human he's got weird eyes and the Ravis, because his father abandoned them, because he saw their true forms, because, like, Ravis has body issues, yeah. you know, like, body image issues. Yeah, he's always like, what, am I a monster? Do you see a monster? Yep, and he has this whole thing, like, he's the beast, right? He's immediately happy to believe that Val only was using him for the never, oh, yeah. right? Like, you couldn't possibly love a beast, a beast you know? Even the mom is, like, looking at them, reminded her of the father, and so that's why he was like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, and, and like, Ravis says, you know, fairies are capricious, and her love immediately turned to hate equally, you know? He has a lot of shit going on, this poor dude. And that's not even his tragic backstory! No, that's just part one! That's just how he got here, from Iceland. <laughs> but, like, it's it fits in so well with what is his actual tragic backstory and like with his willingness to believe that Val couldn't love him because of the way that he looked. Yeah, because he had trouble believing that anybody really likes him, be it friendship or otherwise. Yep. Um, I don't know, so we were talking about the plot or something. I don't know, I guess there was plot, blah blah blah, Lolly kills the kitten. Oh, yeah, that's really rough. As soon as that kitten showed up again, I'm like, oh, here we go. Did you really know? 
I did. Oh, because no. the kitten had disappeared for so long, the fact that the next time we saw it, it was like asking something of Lolly, which was feed me, fucking feed me, please. And mm-hmm. her being like, you're old enough to be on your own. And I'm thinking, if you got this kitten, it's only like a couple weeks older now. It's not, mm-hmm. which is part of the whole, I'm like, how long has it fucking been? Has it been four or five months? Mm-hmm. And so when she fucking, you know, when the kitten comes back, I'm like, hmm. There's no reason to have this cat except for one thing. <laughs> and so I forgot. Oh no, that didn't endear me to Lolly either. The the, the thing I was mad about the moment I met her, <laughs> fucking happened, and I'm like, yep, you're an awful human being who doesn't give a shit about anyone or anything except yourself, and you have a tragic backstory, and you you choose selfishness, and it's. I get it, you live on the streets, but it doesn't mean I would hang out with you. <laughs> well, but just, like, again, it's such an interesting choice from Holly Black to fucking push that cat onto the railroad tracks. Like, when a train is coming. Right? It's such a taboo thing to kill a kitten, to have a sympathetic character kill a kitten. You know, yeah. it's just wolf. I mean,. Like I said, from from the get-go, Lolly was in my shitbook. <laughs> and all of her stuff, I'm like, yep, that's fine. I get it. I understand. You're dangerous. It's just such a good portrait of, like, a human being. Yeah, like, you know I, mean? I say all of this, and Lolly's a great character. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so much shit happens to her. She's weird in her relentless pursuit of this drug and her relentless pursuit of Luis while knowing that Dave wants her and Luis doesn't mm-hmm. want her. And she uses people and she's immediately like, this person's my friend. And we find out that, like, she's had other friends and that others have died. And I'm just like, you're so dangerous. Right? Like, Lolly is so unrestrained, right? Like, if Luis is, like, the fae, but with caution... Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put fucking iron through my lips and tongues and mouth and nose and everything to keep me safe. So interesting, because just, like, that idea of, like, of iron hurting fae, and Luis, a boy who can talk to the fae and who's been hurt Uh by the fae because he can just for seeing that... You know, that he gilds himself in iron to keep them from hurting him. But he still goes and makes a deal with one of them to save his brother. Right. And it's even acknowledged by Ravis that, like, that iron's not going to save you. It's just something that makes Luis feel better. It's emotional armor. Yep. It's just so good. Right. To have one of them be like, I will protect myself in every way possible while using them. And then there's Lolly, who's just like, I want what they have, because I have nothing. She has no control over her addiction to, like, the power that it gives her. Which, for a kid who's had no power since she was, uh, you know, a kid, it makes sense that she would be drawn towards it. And then, you know, here's Val. Ultimately, Val is enabling her even more, because when she first hears about the Nevermore, you know, she's like, what is it called that? Oh, well, you know, never more than once a day never more than two days in a row like there are there's a couple rules to it and as soon as val's on it val's just like let's do it all the time 
Right. And like you said, she's an enabler. Like, they just go on a fucking bender every single day. It's like, if I'm not doing the stuff with Ravis, I want to be high. Right. And that's Dave, too. Like, I didn't personally get the impression at the beginning of the story that Dave was a frequent user of the Nevermore. Lolly makes mention of how Dave freebases it, so like yeah. he does use it. But when Val gets there, the three of them are just on a fucking tear. Yeah, they they just feedback loop into each other, and all of the rules get thrown out the fucking window. And I think they were. I feel like Dave and Lolly, but especially Lolly, were both just waiting for someone else to be like, "Does it matter?" and give them permission. Well, and like Dave is established as being like a very cautious kind of paranoid dude yeah that the idea that he just surrenders for various reasons you know that are established later like Mm -hmm. it's a lot but yeah no i love that holly black like establishes these through like two or three rules for this drug use that immediately get thrown out the window i was like nope Let's let's drug all times. <laughs> Holly Black draws a line, and then the characters go careening over that line. You know? <laughs> and, and even Val is like, who made up those rules when she first hears them? <laughs> to just be like, oh, this isn't like a thing. This is just like something that was made up by, I don't know, David Louise, so that, I don't know. So basically what you're saying is they're just kind of made up rules? Okay. Well, and it's not even a big thing when they break the rules. It's just like, you know, you get like some dream sequence montages. And then like when the story comes back a few weeks later or whatever, Val just acknowledges that they stopped heeding those rules like weeks ago. Yeah, where she's like, I don't remember when we stopped doing by the rule. I've been on the drug every day. And even Ravis is like, "Mm, you seem sick. I think you shouldn't be coming here. I think the magic of being around me is wearing off on you. I can see it or smell it or something on you whenever Mm -hmm. you're you're here. I I don't think this is going to work out. She's like, no, 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 no. And so she like, (laughs) I think at that point kisses him. And he's like, you got to (laughs) go. Which makes later, you know, as mentioned, when he's told she's just using you for this drug. That's got to be the first thing he thinks about. Is like, oh, that's why I smelled the magic on you. That's why you tried to kiss me when I said you couldn't be here. Okay, get lost, human. Yep. So yeah, fucking plot. Okay, so. I think the next thing that happens was the, the night with Dave. Oh, because yeah. that led to the call to Ruth. We should touch on that. That's creepy. (laughs) Like, in this book full of trash people making trash decisions, I feel like that and the cat are pretty peak, you know? Yeah. So there's a point where Val wakes up to find Dave on top of her, trying to get her clothes off of her. Yeah. The fact that she didn't, like, react more strongly to this speaks volumes. Well, and again, it's that like shitty choices on purpose right because like dave is like no come on let me fuck you and she realizes that he's glamored her to look like lolly yeah so he was gonna fuck her regardless oh he was absolutely going to rape her like 100 percent. and there's like a moment where val is like oh he's probably done this to other people while he was on the never yeah and we're like oh cool 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 (laughs) yeah and he's like, come on, just just let just me. Me. Like, you can, 
make me whoever you want me to be. Like, I don't care. Mm. So Val, like, first makes him Luis, I think. Yeah, it just happens, like, naturally. Like, she doesn't think, I want to fuck Luis. She just looks over at Luis and Lolly, and she's thinking about Luis, and so he turns into Luis, and he's like, I knew you'd choose him. Yeah, which is, like, says so much about, like, Dave's fucking complex. Right? And she's like, what? No. And then I think he turns into Tom, right? Yeah. And she's like, eh uh-uh. <laughs> And then eventually he settles into Ravis. And then yep. she realizes, oh, oh, I'm in love with the troll. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> and she, like, she's making this choice to fuck this dude who is trying to rape her which is a choice it's a choice she's choosing this she's like rather than you rape me what if we just fucked and it's like what what if we fuck while magically pretending to be other people (laughs) (laughs) and she fucking changes dave into ravis and she feels like ravis's tusks and she feels like the pain of it and it's just it goes there, you know? Yep. Like, it's very... Yep. Mm. It was a choice that they made. And that was a choice that they made, yes. Yikes. I like, don't even know how to content warn for that. Like, it's like attempted sexual assault, but then not. But then still, it's also, like, violating the consent of the two people they're pretending to be. Like, mm-hmm. there's fucking layers I don't know how to fucking deal with. <laughs> It's a lot, but again, this is Holly Black walking the line with that framing where, like, the entire time this is happening, everybody's fucking keenly aware of how fucked up this is. (laughs) There's no attempt to romanticize what Dave is doing, Mm -hmm. what Val is doing, what Val is realizing about herself. Like, it's just fucked up and messy. This is not what you thought you were going to do when you decided to get on that train and go watch that hockey game. <laughs> right? I think that the scene with her and Ravis and her kissing Ravis was right after this one. She didn't actually kiss him. I think she just got close to him. She might have kissed him. I don't remember. But I do remember that, like, it's while she's fucking Dave and making him look like Ravis that she realizes that she's in love with Ravis. And I was like, you didn't know that when you tried to kiss him? Yeah, because the scene with Ravis, she's like, I'm just cold. And then she like coyly like walks over to him and he's like hugs her and he's like has a look on his face like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Oh my God, why? Right. Like Ravis also clearly is into that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then after it, the next day, she runs into Lolly in an argument with some girl. And oh my goodness, it's Ruth. And Ruth eventually recognizes her. And fucking Ruth has brought the fucking flower baby. They were having a health <laughs> class thing, which look, I never had to deal with the flower baby. Did you have to deal with the flower baby? I didn't go to enough high school to have to deal with the flower baby. I, I don't know anyone in real life who had to deal with the flower baby. But this trope comes up so much. It's oh, it's so good though because like <laughs> specifically in the very beginning, Ruth is like, "I have statistics about like how good female-only households are for the raising <laughs> of children." Like Ruth is out here ready to defend lesbian yeah. moms. Okay, absolutely. And then she shows up and she's like, still playing into it. She's like, "I just wanted you to meet someone, and it's been hard being a single mom without you." <laughs> Right? Ruth is here to claim her girlfriend, you know? (laughs) It's very good. It's very good. Um, But Ruth won't go home without her. I texted you early on into the book, like, 
I remember so much stuff, like so many different things happening in this book, and I don't know how they're going to fit it in. Like, I'm 20% in, and I don't understand how they're going to fit, because I remembered her, like, getting lessons from Ravis, defending Ravis in a duel. I remembered Ruth being a really important part of it, and I was like, how the fuck does this book have all of this stuff in there, when right now, she's just running around getting high with these street kids? <laughs> It really, it never was slow for me. Like, I could have, so I think I spent more, like, sitting down and reading times, reading it, but I probably could have just eaten it in, like, two. Fucking classic Holly Black. Yeah, it's incredibly good. The The writing just makes me, I, I think I messaged you after the first time, just, I had sat down, I was only going to read a couple pages, like, I wanted to just read, like, a couple chapters to kind of get the feel for it, and then I was, like, 50 pages in. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to stop. I'm like, I need to stop or I'll just read the whole fucking book. Yeah, same. I wanted to know. I just wanted to know. I want to see what happens. And like, there's a big fucking chunk of the book where it's just Val being homeless with Luis and Lolly. And there's Deep. hints of fairy stuff. But like, then the fairy stuff comes in <laughs> and there's fairy stuff for 20%. High and homeless with Luis and Dave and Molly. <laughs> but also fairies. And then Ruth shows up. <laughs> Ruth shows up. And then there's like fairy intrigue. There's just so much shit going on in this book. Oh, we should tell about Ravis's actual tragic backstory that she learned about. Right? But like, it never feels incongruous like it all feels like the same story and it all feels yeah. like a natural progression it's just man there's a lot going on in this book yeah it's a very heavy book mm-hmm. you're like what anyway you wanted to talk about ravis's tragic backstory right we should mention his actual tragic backstory because like we're getting towards the end here and mm-hmm. she's known about this since early on he is a surprisingly open young troll Listen, Ravis is a good dude, okay? He like, um, he's a good troll dude. He's a very good troll dude. Like, she asks a question and he answers. And, you know, and then he's, he willingly gives us information because he's not embarrassed by it. Like, it's not a deep, dark secret. He's in exile because he exiled himself. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. His friend Tamson had been dating Mabry. Remember that name? And... Him, he, he was like, oh, this friend of mine, we were good friends, and I can't believe I have a friend, and that anyone would want to be my friend. And he would tell stories, and it was great, and I made my potions, and it was wonderful. But I'm a troll, and he's like, will you fight me because you're you big and menacing? I guess I could be. And so I had a sword, and he wore this armor that was supposed to be okay, but when I hit him, cut through him like it was paper. I don't know why he would take the enchantment off, but he died, and I felt so bad that I would never pick up a blade, you know, wield a blade against someone again, and I wanted to go into exile until I was done feeling bad and grieving my friend, but Solariel, the queen from the previous book, said that I should take Mabry with me so that we could grieve together, and I'm like, oh. it's Mabry. It's not <laughs> even just that, though. It's like the the idea that the death of Fae is so unusual among Fae that they exile anybody who even reminds them yeah, that they can die. Yeah, because he was touched by it, and so it, like, tainted the both of them. 
And that's why Mavery was also exiled, because she had, like, the taint of fairy death on her. She had been Tamsin's lover, and yep. Ravis had overheard Tamsin being like, I saw you with with somebody else, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, it's absolutely Mabry, and <laughs> she is mad because she's stuck here until his, his self-exile is over, but he's a troll, and he's never going to be done with his self-exile until he fucking dies. So she wants to make it look like he's poisoned all of these people from the Bright Court because she was working with Nick Nevin. So... Oh my god. There's so much fairy intrigue in this shit. Oh god, yeah. And like, reading the other book, too, you're just like, yep, I see it. (laughs) (laughs) I gave up on keeping, like, who was a double agent for who straight. I was just like... just an agent for herself, ultimately. But no, it was just super obvious at that point. (laughs) (laughs) To the point where I'm like, how does he not see it? Because he's so fucking self-flagellating yeah he's, he's like, like wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and i was like Mabry's mad she's poisoning so that you get in trouble so that somebody finally fucking murders you so she can go home yeah no exactly that because he's like oh i, I feel so bad that Mabry also got exiled with me how do you think Mabry feels <laughs> he's like but you know what can i do about it we're in exile you know <laughs> What you do is you go home so that she's not in exile. He's like, sucks for you, Mabry, but I'm gonna keep, you know, moping for a few more decades. Like, ultimately, she deserved this because we find out that there's reasons why it all happened. That I hadn't picked up on. Like, I had kind of been like, "Mm, she could have been mad at him, but I don't know how she would do it until it was revealed, like, you know, how she did it. But I was like, oh, it's like, I absolutely knew it was her trying to set him up. Obviously, this is the only person who benefits from, like, you poisoning people. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, anyway. Yes. This is where, like, the fairy intrigue portion, that 25% that wasn't mentioned in the blurb, <laughs> sort of takes over. And, like, from here, I just feel like it's a fucking roller coaster to the end, right? Yeah. Because, like, a lot happens. The, the fairy intrigue comes in. Oh, there's a thing where, like, they're attacked by cops on the platform while they're on Never, and Dave causes one of them to be shot. Yeah, makes her turn into a dog, and then the other one shoots her when she jumps at him. All right. So, so here's your crash course, Ruth. Fairies are real. Yeah. Here's a drug. Yeah. Let's go. And it's kind of like a moral event horizon for a lot of the characters. So it's like, oh, somebody died because we were fucking around with these fairy drugs, right? Yeah, and. This is also the last, not even the last time that she's on Never, because she's not on Never right now. She hadn't been on Never since the night before, so this is this is her get clean moment. Right. So they decide to hole up in, I think, Central Park. Some park. Well, because she, she tells Ruth, I have to go say goodbye to Ravis. You, at Penn Station, you're going to get on that train whether I come back or not, but I'll be back in an hour. And then she doesn't come back, because Ravis isn't there. Um, and so she goes back to the place where she and Lolly and Dave and Luis were going to meet up, and she finds Ruth there, because Ruth hasn't left her. Because <laughs> Ruth is like, you think I didn't see through you? She's like, I really was going to come back, but he wasn't there. She's like, uh-huh, I do not believe you, my friend. 
so she finds that Dave is missing and that Luis is there and Luis has finally started making out with Lolly. And immediately you're like, oh, that's not Luis. Yeah. (laughs) We already know that they can make themselves look like whoever they want when they're on Never. We just established this a couple chapters ago. This is obviously Dave. Yeah. Doing a fucking rape by deception. Mm Mm-hmm. This is Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. So Val ends up stumbling into a fey revel Revel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. city. Because she goes off and she was going to maybe go try to find the Never, but she's just kind of pacing and running through drills because she's like going through withdrawals. Yeah. And a fairy is like, you smell like it. Are you us? And she's like, no. And she's like, oh, (laughs) you're come on. Come with me, kid. (laughs) You you got away. Let's go. Let's go. Come back to the revel. This is not good for you out here. So she ends up in a fey revel in the park and she sees Mabry there and she like I think Solarial is there, right? But yeah, um she's she's eating one of the like fruits and uh, there's like a little bit of gossip happening around her and is told about the Queen Solarial has shown up and she spoke with one of the courtiers and oh look, there she is, Mabry. And she's like I wonder if anyone will will ask her about it. And so fucking Val's just like, I'll do it. She gets up <laughs> and talks to her and maybe she, she comments on a comb and she's like, where is this comb familiar? And I'm like, the mermaid, kid, the mermaid. <laughs> but Mabry gives her the comb to like plant the evidence on her, even though I think it was really just a, a momentary of, oh, well, this will work out in my favor. Here you go. Have a comb. <laughs> yeah like Mabry is so confident that she's not going to get caught like I don't think she cares no she was not trying to pin this on her but she's just like short kid here's some more evidence to go on you yep like the most important part of this is that Val and Ravis has a, have a sexy moment <laughs> so like Ravis finds her talking to Mabry he he <laughs> It's very good. He, like, grabs her by her neck and pulls her against him and is like, how are you going to get out of this one? And she's like, mm, what if I give you a boner? Right. She's like, <laughs> ah, I will kiss you. And he's like, that was unexpected. Right? She, like, <laughs> grinds against him and then turns around and kisses him. And he was like, well, you got out of my grasp so good job grasshopper like you learned all i can teach you please go away i have something to take care of (laughs) but they just have this moment of like acknowledging that they are into one another Mm -hmm. for about 30 seconds completely destroyed (laughs) right and i think this is the part where mavery is like that girl is a junkie and she's yeah. stealing your fairy stuff to get high. And he's like, what? That doesn't, how does, what? And Val obviously has been doing this, mm-hmm. so she can't say no. But she does try to assert, like, no, I've been doing that. But also, I and like And I like you. And he's like, no, You're who could ever love a, a beast? beast? Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those moments where it's just like... No, two things can be true. It's like, but you're lying. You're a liar. Humans lie. (laughs) Right? Uh, Of course. You know, the great equalizer. So, you know, that's the moment. And I I did love this because it's a very, it feels like a very specifically gender swapped moment of like, my lover has betrayed me and he could never love me. Except that in this case, it's like a human girl. He likes me for my money. 
and then Val is stuck in the position of having to prove that she does, in fact, love this dude. So Val has to prove that Mabry is the one who is killing the Fae and not Ravis, because everybody thinks it's Ravis. Yeah. So she goes with Ruth, and she breaks into Mabry's home, which is where they find the fucking exposition harp oh my god i love that harp though so much i knew you would love it i love it even though it is so fucking convenient (laughs) the fucking convenience the harp of convenience it's such a fucking fey bullshit (laughs) no i'm 100 with you because like they go into this home they find this harp and every string is the hair of somebody that mabry's killed and every time kill people who don't have hair <laughs> every time the string is plucked the person tells the sob story of how Mabry betrayed the story <laughs> this is what happened and the truth of the thing and so of course fucking Tamsin's hair is there right of course and it's like the second one that Val plucks and Val's like that hair looks really familiar and it's because of like an illusion that Ravis had made to show like his history with Tamsin and Mabry. That's just so, it's ridiculous. It is. And like, I will grant that that is peak Fae to have a fucking evidence dungeon heart. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a serial killer Fae, but I do it through manipulation, but I still want a fucking trophy. What if I have your hair that tells your story? Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Peak Fae. But also... So convenient. Super convenient. Like, okay, so I'm so glad that this was your other, I'm assuming, uh, hand of the author being revealed. Yes. And like, the harp was set up when we first, you know, went into Mabry's house. You know, like, we saw the harp, which is the only reason I wasn't like, this is absolute bullshit. But it is such a Oh, it is. And it's so, because, like, they specifically go into this house, and Ruth is like, what are we looking for? And Val's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> How will I even know it when I see it? <laughs> they find this harp. And this harp is like, here's all the evidence you She's need like about Mabry. <laughs> Being like a piece of shit. Yeah. And like killing people. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and I love that the flower baby has a fucking purpose. Yes, they like use the flower baby to like get over the Fae illusions because like Mabry is illusioned this house to look like this beautiful Upper West Side yeah. apartment, but in reality it's like a dump. My favorite part is the fountain is actually just like a pipe that is burst and water is flowing into buckets and onto the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. This is also like peak holly black like grunge glamour right mm-hmm. like literally the same thing at the same time yes yes i i just want to say i've pulled this with a ravnos no oh, really one of, in one of my games yeah i mm-hmm. had a, a ravnos prince he was pretending to be a venture and he had this whole huge hotel the whole thing was a fucking illusion that's amazing i love everything it. was gross and trash just like this so i'm like oh, holly black i love you <laughs> <laughs> Black, are you me? Are you me? But like way more awesome. I think you are. <laughs> I could never have written this game, th- this this book, but I absolutely could run this game. Like I am <laughs> not as good of a writer as Holly Black because obviously she's Holly Black and I'm not. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> this is a hundred percent the kind of bullshit I would have come up with for a fucking plotline and run characters through. 
it's easier to GM this story than it is to fucking sit down and write it. It's just, it makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous looking at some of the stuff being like, I fucking did that in New York with other characters. This is amazing. <laughs> I love that other fucking weird nerd gamers came up with this shit too. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe Holly Black was a part of that game and you didn't know it. There's no way she was. <laughs> All right. But anyway, sorry, I just had to make that little aside. No, you're good. So... She finds Luis using the flower to to sort of dispel the illusion. She finds Luis chained up. She realizes that somebody is pretending to be Luis and that person is in league with Mabry and helping her poison the Fae. She sort of puts two and two together and realizes that it's Dave. And they go back to where Lolly and Dave are hanging out after they got kicked out of the subway station. Yeah, the, the place in the park. They realize, or they confront Dave. Because there's Luis. <laughs> there are two Luises. Only one of them can be real. Mm-hmm. And they realize that Dave has been using the never like several times a day in order to maintain this illusion. And he is mad sick with it. He is, yeah. His body gets so hot that it literally burns Val and Luis. Yeah, that was an interesting scene. Yeah, no, it was. And, like, Ruth is there, like, well, when people have fevers in movies, they put them in ice baths. So, like, they, like, drag this guy into, like, the lake in the park in the middle of the winter. And, like, they're describing how, like, the lake is steaming as they drag him in. Dave is sick, and these are the stakes for Luis. Right, right. He's gonna lose his brother, and he's already made a fucking deal with Ravis before to save his brother when he got shot by their dad. (sighs) Yes. Oof, That's so a tragic rough. back. Like, Luis and Dave's tragic backstory is that mom was a librarian. I forget what dad's job was, but dad had the site. And then mm-hmm. dad fucking shot mom and Dave. And mom died, but Dave was in critical condition. And Luis found Ravis and made a deal. And then so he went to work for him for a year. But, you know, he just kept needing to do shit, I guess. And so Luis realizes that he can make money off of this thing that's kind of been a curse to him. You know? Yeah, which is great because now you're homeless. Yeah, their fucking lives are terrible. Yeah. Um, Luis and Val go to see Ravis because, you know, Val cares about Ravis. Luis wants Ravis to help save his brother. They find him being, having already been sort of murdered by yeah. Mabry and the dwarf guy. Yeah, he's coming down and he's like, it's done. And they're like, what? Right. We've murdered this dude because he is killing the other Fae, right? Yep. So they find Ravis has had his heart removed. Mabry, I love, is up there by herself because, like, Robin wandered back off. And Mabry's, like, freaking out trying to find some poison to be able to blame it on him. And has his, his fucking heart on a plate. Yep. It's great. So they get up there and Mabry's like, I've got his heart. Ravis is still alive, but only barely. And Mabry's like, yeah, he's only going to survive like an hour without his heart. Fucking trolls. Am I right? (laughs) All right. She's like, man, who knew? I'm like, that is, I'll accept it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great because again, it's like the girls using their cleverness, right? Because Mabry fucks off with the heart and... Val is left there, like, how can I help you? Mm. And she realizes, because Ravis has told her that he turns to stone in the sunlight. Yes, I love that that comes back. So she's like, 
I'm sorry. And then she like rips down the curtains and she turns him to stone as he's dying. Which was so fucking smart. It's so good. It's like, I've saved you, but there's still a ticking clock. So she realizes that she needs to find a way to prove that Mabry is the one who poisoned these people so that she can get Ravis's heart. She needs to get it cleared. They need to get Ravis's heart so that Ravis can save Dave for poor Louise. Yes. So she... I don't even remember how they end up tracking her to the- There was a map on Ravis's wall that she'd seen earlier in the book as well. Right, and didn't she hear something about Mabry being a part of the Unseelie court? Yes, yeah. I did find it a little weird that they found where they needed to go so quickly. Well, you know, map, like you but said. But I was like, I, I'm sure it was in there somewhere and maybe I just missed it. <laughs> it's like a fucking roller coaster. So- mm-hmm. For whatever reason, Mabry ends up at the Unseelie Court being run by Robin in New Jersey. <laughs> Hi, Robin. <laughs> nice to see you again. It was so nice to see him again. However, first we had to stop by home to get a car. Oh, that's right. They take the train back to New Jersey and then go to Val's mom to get the car so that they can go to the graveyard in New Jersey where the Unseelie Court is. Val has a brief moment with her mom where she's like, I don't even care that you fucked my boyfriend anymore. <laughs> I've got something I need to fucking do. Right. I need to save my new, boyfriend, my new boyfriend. So I'm taking your car. Don't talk to me. Right. I appreciated the ways that the mom was still going through it, obviously. And Val was just like, this is not about you. And that was a good scene. Later scene made me less happy. But like, yeah. I did appreciate I have to do this thing. And the mom was like, all right, well. I guess I should trust you. Right. And obviously she fucked up and fucked Mm. her daughter's boyfriend Mm. who may or may not have been underage. But Mm -hmm. like the idea that like this mother, A, knew it was a bad idea, (laughs) knew it while she was doing it. Wanted to tell her, had told Ruth, please don't say anything. I'll do it myself. And still was like going through hell while Val was gone. She was home during the day when she shouldn't have been. And... There were, like, empty coffee cups and tissues, and the place was a mess, and she's like, I never know my mom to not clean up. There was the proof. It's, like, such a good incidental portrait of the mother, who we barely get any screen time, and yet still absolutely understand the fucking mental state that she's in, right? Fucking trash. Ah, it's so good. Holly Black. Clap, clap. So good at making everyone trash. (laughs) <laughs> everyone trash but everyone human i might not want to hang out with any of you but that's okay but you're all people and you're not cartoon villains and yes. i appreciate that yes absolutely except for Mabry, who is a cartoon <laughs> villain. absolutely a cartoon villain <laughs> but she's Faye, so i can right so they trace Mabry back to the unseely court from tithe we get a cameo from robin and Kay. Yay. i appreciate that it's not announced Kay's name because she's not important to this book but she's there and if you know it you know it yeah she's just the green fairy who's you know robin's companion i loved the description of her it was really fun to see her from a human perspective oh yeah it makes Kay seem so much more inhuman right yeah her big black alien eyes and her wings and i was like this is great right because like we know k and we know what kind of person k is but to val k is just another fucking fairy right she has no idea that k could be absolutely on your side (laughs) yeah 
So they find Mabry in Robin's court. Val accuses Mabry of poisoning the other fae and coming here to kill Robin. Oh, yeah. She is there to kill Robin on behalf of Solariel or whatever. She's yeah. a double agent. Oh, Mabry. As per usual with Robin, he's like, no, no, no. Let her talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't listen. And he's like, I would like to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I know Robin, like, knows to trust mortal girls at this point. Yep. He's like, no, no, no. Tell me more. I don't think more. a mortal girl's gonna come all the way to fairy just to accuse you of a thing that didn't happen, so. Right? Robin, very chill dude. So. <laughs> Good king. Val challenges Mabry to a duel, essentially. And she's yes. like, I will give you my heart in exchange for Ravis's or whatever. You know, if, if I fail, you can take mine too. And Luis bargains himself somehow. I don't remember exactly well, what. She's like, I can't bargain for Luis. He has to bargain for himself. And he's like, I bargained that we fucking get to walk out of here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because Luis has, like, been around the fucking block and he knows the way that Faye are. And Val yeah. is like, oh shit, I didn't think of yeah, that. I love that. She's like, I'm smart. Right, 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 right. I definitely <laughs> did not think about that <laughs> So I'm like, thank goodness Luis is here. Oh, that's right, because Mabry wants Luis's other eye. Yeah, and that's when she's like, I can't fucking make that deal with you. So, it's on the line. Val's heart and Luis's eye versus their safety in Ravis's heart. Yes. And they have a big fight, and again, like, the video gamer in Val is like, <laughs> oh, Mabry is so cool, she's doing these cool moves, she's using an illusory whip. Yeah, it's like a smoke whip. She can't even fucking hit it. And she, I love where she's like, I'm trying to win, but I just need to hit her. Yep. And it's like, the, specifically because Robin is a cool dude, he's like, it's to first blood, not the death, right? <laughs> I love his excuses, like, because there's questions I need to ask Mabry. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he knows. Oh, there was that great moment where he, oh, where is it? Where is it? Um... Accept her challenge. I will not have it said that one of my court could not best a human child. Nor shall I have it said my murderer was a coward. <laughs> right? Because Robin is like, you're definitely here to kill me. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> These fucking, like, mortal girls and their fucking whipped fairy boyfriends, you know? <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, she's fighting all super cool. Yep, and Val is like, I can't disarm her because her whip is illusory, and like you said, I'm fighting like I need to impress her when all I need to do is make her bleed. Just fucking stab her. So there was a moment in that fight that reminded me a lot of the Den of Shadows stuff, especially Midnight Predator, where like Raven is fighting Turquoise and things like that, um, and the way that like Jessica will fight and shit like that. Where it was right after her realizing she didn't have to win, she just had to hit her. Uh, Mabry was vain. That much was obvious. She looked cool and she fought cool. Even though she was leaning heavily on her glamour, she was doing it in such a way that made her seem like the better combatant. If she could make the whip grab the blade of the sword, couldn't she just have made it strike Val's hand? Couldn't she just conjure knives at Val's neck? She must want a dramatic triumph, a small scar on Val's cheek, a long laceration across her back, the cord wrapping around Val's neck. It was a performance, after all, the performance of a master performer before a court about to pass judgment on her. And that is like fucking straight talk, Den of Shadows bullshit right there. <laughs> mm, I'm so cool. But Val recognizing it and being like, oh, you're in a plot. <laughs> yes. Hold on, hold on, because I want to find um, 
Val had to do something unexpected, so she did. She continued to just stand there. Mabry hesitated only a moment before she sent the smoke whip slashing towards Val. Val dropped to the ground, rolled and grabbed the hilt of what was left of the glass sword, because it's been broken at this point. (laughs) Thrusting it up, inelegantly, gracelessly, and completely uncoolly into Mabry's knee. Not even, like, in her thigh. Just, like, stab you in the fucking knee. With the broken, like, hilt of the glass sword. I mean, I think the broken hilt of the glass sword makes that cool. (laughs) That you stood there and you ducked. But yeah, I get it. Stabbing someone in the knee, not cool. It's just kind of a stab. That's all she needed to do, though, was just a first blood. Right, and like you said, it's such a perfect reflection of the Amy style books where people fight to look cool, (laughs) they fight with whips, and there's this human girl who is scrapping for her fucking life against this fae who could knife her in the neck if she wanted to. Yeah, just that that realization that she's like, you could have done this. You could make it do anything. You're choosing not to. I can't win if I keep fighting your game. It's like Kay with the tax, where she's like, I'm going to think like a human, and that's yes. how I'm going to win. And that is absolutely how these, these girls keep winning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Val wins. Yeah. You know, Mabry is forced to give her Ravis's heart. Uh, I don't actually remember what happens to Mabry. She you know? dies because, like, she I think she gets stabbed in the neck with it because she, she like, removes her glamour and reveals that she's, like, some terrible beast looking thing and goes to attack robin and val just fucking does it again yes val protects robin yeah still got the sword you know you dare banish me i lady nick nevin's trusted spy in the seely court i who am a true servant of the unseely court and not a pretender to its throne and then she goes to kill robin and val just stabs her in the neck with what's left of her knife because Val is a fucking knight protecting these silly damsels. (laughs) Damsel boys. (laughs) It's very good. Robin fucking owes her. Yeah, right. But they get out and they get out. Oh, one thing I wanted to comment on that was like so sad was that for all of Luis putting in all of those piercings, when her, when when Val and Luis wake up in in the court of termites, they have cut them out of his flesh. Oh yeah, like I'm like, oh, this is nasty. It's not as bad as what fucking Corny went through, but like that is still some shit right there. Right, and because like Ravis implied earlier, like all the steel in his face isn't going to it's save, not save you. It will just cut it right out. Like, ouch, ouch, ouch. The control that Luis tries to exert over himself to protect himself doesn't matter. Yeah, they can just cut it. They don't have to touch it. Nope. So, uh, yeah, they escape in the chaos with Ravis's heart. Uh, they run back the fucking New Jersey traffic. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, real shit. <laughs> and they like they're on a deadline. They arrive after the deadline because yeah. of the traffic. Yep. Because fucking uh, Jersey traffic. But um, Val shoves Ravis's heart back into his chest. She doesn't think it works. Mm. She thinks he's dead. She kisses him. And then Ravis is like, oh no, JK, I'm still alive. Yeah. And then it's like healing up and stuff. So what I really liked about the scene of Ravis coming to realize that both of them helped, both Luis mm-hmm. and Val, was just 
how soft it is for him mm-hmm. to finally realize that somebody does care. Because even Tamsin, who was his friend, like, fair fickle, he could have not been tomorrow, you know, whether he had been alive or not. He never could really know why Tamsin hung out with him. And I'm sure Tamsin had, you know, completely earnest reasons, but he could never know because he'd grown up the way he grew up. So to just see that these two humans went out of their way to hear Louise quickly sum up everything that had just happened to get them to this point is just so soft, and I loved it. And even though they did get to kiss, I love that once Louise, you know, runs off with the... Because Ravis, like, heals, or makes stuff to heal, vows back and, and makes a crown for um, Louise to put on Dave's head to help him be healed. When Louise is gone... I love that they just are so exhausted, the two of them. It's not like there's a bunch of kissing happening. They just, mm-hmm. like, hold each other mm-hmm. and fall asleep. It's very sweet. So there's, there's a good line where he doctors her back and he gives Luis, like, the shit to save Dave. And they're just sort of collapsed next to each other. Yeah. And she says, uh, what do you hope? And he says, I hope that you feel for me as I do for you. And she says, how is that? And he says, you carried my heart in your hands tonight, but I have felt as if you carried it long before that. I was so much happier with this ending. I know we're not at the end, the end, but like with regarding the relationship, I'm like, this is such a, this one ends better for the relationship. Because mm-hmm. it's just like that, again, that acknowledgement of like, Two things can be true, Ravis. Like, yes, I did steal your fairy drug. Yes. But also, I do genuinely have a boner for you. So. <laughs> Correct. All right, but now we get to the the human ending. Yeah. Which I was not that happy with. No, I don't like it either. So okay. we get a little bit of a time skip. We hear from Val that, so the last we saw of the other characters who have been fairly important throughout this book was that Lolly and Ruth and Dave go to the hospital because Dave is essentially in like an OD state. Like yeah, he's overdosing overdose. on this never and they need to take him to a hospital to help him. Mm-hmm. And then we time skip after they fix Ravis. And Val is back in Jersey. She's making up all of the schoolwork that she missed. She and Ruth are having like a makeup health assignment because they killed their flower baby. <laughs> like things have gone sort of back to normal for Val. So weird. She mentions just sort of as like a fucking postscript that Lolly ran off at the hospital and nobody has heard from her. Yeah, that's like, I'm assuming the last you ever fucking hear about her. Yep, and that Dave is okay. I think she mentions that Dave and Luis start holding up in Mabry's. Oh yeah, in Mabry's Upper East Side shithole. He's like, hey, shithole up in Upper East Side. <laughs> that's a great line. I appreciate that one. Me too. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good end for them. Dave gets, like, no personal comeuppance, mm-hmm. re-the-lolly bullshit. No, it's just the overdose. Yeah. So, uh, she gets a note from Ravis. He's like, meet me on the meet fucking... The swing set. Outside your high school or whatever. She goes to meet him. He gives her an iron sword. Which was really nice. Since the glass one broke. 
And they have a cute little finishing line where she's like, uh, what do you want? Do you want to go back to the bright court? And he's like, no, there's nothing for me there. I would want to spend the time that I can with you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, mortals are drawn in a fairy sigh. And he's like, I can hold my breath. <laughs> so good. Yeah, their ending is very, very good. Okay, but can we talk about how she goes through this whole thing of being like a fucking poverty tourist street kid? Yeah, I really thought she was changed for good and she was not. Nope. In the end, she just goes back to her old life, making up homework and... (laughs) Making up homework after everything you've just been through. And, like, yeah, she has a fairy boyfriend, but that's kind of it. Like, I don't know, this this ending for her, like, I appreciate the ending with her and Ravis, like, that's fine, but, like... And I like it a lot more than than Tithe's ending, because, like, no one fucking died. (laughs) You're not at your friend's funeral. This is true. But just, like, the idea that she's able to go home. like She's always been able to go home. And, you know, Lolly is still out doing fuck knows what on the streets. Mm -hmm. Like, Dave and Luis are still, like, squatting. Yeah. And it's just like, she just went home. (laughs) I'm just like, good job, white girl. So happy for (laughs) you. Or it's like, I get that this was an option for her. Mm-hmm. It's always been an option for her. But the problem is that I thought she had more growth than that. Yeah. And I don't know whose choice it was. I don't know if this was Holly Black's choice always. I don't know if it was an editor that encouraged her to do it. But this is all I have is this story where she seemed like she was learning to not be a sidekick. Where she seemed like she was... I don't know, doing stuff, but I I don't know what, I don't know how it would have been anything good to do something else, because, like, oh, now I'm living with my troll boyfriend in the fucking Manhattan Bridge, (laughs) like, that's also not great. (laughs) Oh, I'm gonna keep squatting. Not great. Like, I don't know. I don't know what option was available to her. Like, oh god, it was just so weird to have her talking about, I might go to NYU. Like, you're gonna go to college? This is very odd to me. Like, I don't know. She just seemed like someone who was going to get more involved in fairy rather than less. Yeah, and like, I don't know that becoming a fairy knight would have been better for her. That definitely like, seemed where she was headed. Like, I guess maybe it seemed more like there was a court up there available and she could have been part of it. Yeah, it's just, either way, it's it's frustrating in the sense of, oh, like, okay, I will give it this in that the scars are still there, right? Like, they yeah. mentioned in passing that she still doesn't know how to talk to her mother about what happened. Yeah. She literally has the scab still on her back. Yep. And, like, her mother won't discuss what happened while Val was away. She just <laughs> refers to it as, like, the I time when here. Val was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Val still talks about how she still has, like, the cravings for the never. Yeah. The scars are there, so it's not like she's completely unchanged, but... It just wraps up too neatly, real quick. Yeah, and it just bothers me that Val is just able to fucking end her tour. Yeah. You've used the word poverty tourism a couple times, and it's that. She didn't mean to be, but... Like you said, the kids who were homeless are still homeless, and the kid who had a home has a home. 
Like, I know Ruth wasn't going to leave without her, but... Right. It, it just sucks because, again, like, Luis and Dave are both mixed-race black kids. Like, mm-hmm. Lolly is obviously the victim of abuse. Yeah. <laughs> But the privileged white girl gets to continue to be a privileged white girl. <laughs> gets the to have a happy ending. Got abused again. The tragic young black men get to continue to be tragic. Yeah, it's, it feels very frustrating in like, the way that these characters were used. And Val doesn't even really have that much of an arc, you know? Yeah, I think it's not sticking the landing on her. Like, she does a good job of a lot of stuff and Mm -hmm. goes through some shit and then realizes I shouldn't be doing this shit. (laughs) But even right to the end where she fucking goes up against Mabry when Mabry tries to jump at and kill Robin. Like, Mm -hmm. you're still doing that thing where you don't care about your own life. You could have died in that moment and... Mm -hmm. You didn't think about your whole fucking goal. Again, you just saw someone's going to get attacked. I'm going to let my instinct take over. Like, yeah, I was glad she did it because it was a great moment. But yeah, she doesn't have a complete arc. She has growth. Yeah. And ultimately, it just sort of ends up feeling like (laughs) weekend. I was homeless in New York and also a drug (laughs) addict. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go to college. I guess also as someone who like. I didn't finish college because I ran out of money. It feels like such a bullshit lie of, it's okay, kids, get back home, go to college, everything will be fine. It's just like, no, college doesn't make everything fine. And also that you could go to NYU. What? Right. Like you said, the idea that this should have been about Val realizing something about herself, about valuing her own life more, like, Obviously, all of the things that Val does are very cool and, like, very in character, but, like, there's not really that moment of Val realizing her greater potential, necessarily. Yeah. I feel like it needed a little more at the end here. Some kind of not-time-skip jumping after, like, getting together with Ravis, but actual conversations at the hospital with Luis and Dave and Ruth. And talking about stuff with Ruth and just making a decision, just really sitting down and deciding. Because we don't know how she decided she was actually going to go home after that point. Exactly. I agree. I think that's what we're missing. Because if if she sat down and said, I need to go home. Um, I saw my mom and I'm not mad at her anymore because I went through some more shit. And I don't want to be up here anymore. I'm 17. I want to go back home. And I recognize that I can go home. And so I'm going to. Because I... I don't want this. Like, if there was some acknowledgement of her recognizing what she had just done as a privileged person, Mm -hmm. I think that could have helped. Yeah. It's a weird kind of, it sort of prioritizes the romantic ending over everything else. Yeah, because everything else was great. I mean, you know, not necessarily great, great. (laughs) (laughs) As it could be. Good story. But yeah, I think I agree with you if it had ended earlier, if they had been forced to go through the hard parts of of recognizing and acknowledging like why she was going home, that conversation with her mother, just like anything to sort of acknowledge Val moving past the decision to be a sidekick. She often acknowledged her poor choices. 
I yes. think it would have been just great for her to acknowledge, I'm tired of making poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead of skipping us ahead to be like, oh no, she made a bunch of good ones that got her back on track, kids. Mm-hmm. Right? And now she's going to go to college and live that dream. Mm-hmm. And still have her fairy boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't stick the landing for me, but the rest of the book was great. Yeah. Agreed. All right. We made it all the way through. Finally. We did it. End of the book. <laughs> all right. Ollie. 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 Yeah. 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 Fucking Ollie, listen to me. Ollie. <laughs> I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Would you recommend this to somebody else? I would. I would give them the fucking <laughs> so many content oh warnings. Oh my god, all of the content warnings. Like I don't I don't think I would just like pull this off a shelf while I was working at borders and pass it to a kid. But if someone was like, I like angst, I like people making bad choices but it works out you know like everyone's okay in the end who i care about i'm like well depends upon who you care about <laughs> and if if someone wanted some like really dirty gritty fairy stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'd be like yeah okay this one <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I'm, I, I would still recommend it this is not one of the ones where i go no no one should read this <laughs> book no, no definitely not it was it was great. I think Val was a really interesting character. I I, I want to see more stuff like this for fairies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of fairies in cities and dealing with like iron problem, the city's problem, the just dealing with the modern world problem. Really hit a lot of great points. How about you? Um, I think I wouldn't not recommend it. We discussed how how Holly Black just tells a good story you know like her writing yeah she's a fucking bard <laughs> the way she so casually and easily characterizes people in in such shades of gray it's a very good the writing is good the writing is good it's a very interesting story i do have my beefs with the <laughs> the extremely convenient art but no i mean like again it's just another another really good holly black book so yeah, absolutely. I look forward to reading the next one. I, um, I was so thrown that it wasn't about Kay and Robin. I was wondering how you would feel about that because I thought we were just gonna keep going with them, but I was happy anytime references were made to Nevin um, and Solariel and the um, the Unseelie Knight slash King. Just like all of that, I'm like, ooh, okay, okay, I love seeing this, because that's the kind of shit that I also like to do in my stuff. So my my prediction is that those are two stories that are now needing to combine in some way, so we mm-hmm. better fucking see more of, of each of this. But um, something has to fucking happen with Solariel. She is a problem, and we gotta deal with that. I'm so curious for the next one, because I remember it being, like, maybe the best I look forward to it as long as we keep getting, you know, more good Holly Black writing and characterization, even if it doesn't stick to landing. I'm still going to enjoy the ride. Clearly, right? Like, we clearly like these enough to see past the flaws. Good times. All right. So then next time we will we will go Ironside, which tells me so much. <laughs> we will be finishing up the Modern Fairy Tale Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, I hope people have enjoyed uh, this episode. Might might be a bit of a long one, we'll see. And thanks for listening. You can find us at Backlist Podcast on Twitter. 
You can also find me there. I'm Olivia Hennis. How about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm endless underscore run. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash backlist and chill. And before we go, uh, we need to welcome our latest patron, Crystal. Welcome. <gasps> welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for pledging. Hope you enjoy. How did you find us? Let us know. <laughs> right? Talk to us on Twitter or Patreon. <laughs> I don't care. Just talk Either to way, us. We'll be there. Awesome. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you all of our patrons for being here. Yes, we, we love you all. Too. And we would love to chat. Mm-hmm. We like talking about this shit. Mm-hmm. Talk to all us. Right. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Everyone, have a good one. Bye. Bye.